Yes, hi, hello, feckin' hell, it's been a while. Hey, this is the Gooncast, how y'all doing? Oh, you fucking... <laughs> Every time we watch one movie with an accent, we gotta try and do this shite. Huh? <laughs> What's up, You're everybody? You're all fur coat and no trousers. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, it's... we've been busy, our parents were hit by a bread van. Yeah, yeah. No, we we were uh, what, scared by that, that hen around the corner. Yeah. We just gotta, you know... Gotta, gotta, gotta keep pace. Gotta keep on the road. Anyway, it's Lots us, the Goon Squad. <laughs> yeah, and and probably JoJo. Yeah, Goon Squad and JoJo. That's our guest. Guest is yeah, the dog. That's true. That's he's, true. He's very barky he's, right now. The tyrant now. will make himself known shortly. He's uh -huh. feeling spicy today. Mm -hmm. So, what's up, everybody? It's us again, coming at you with some some new movies that we watched. It's been a while, I think. Yeah, uh, I think the last episode was uh, start of November, mid-November. Okay, okay. Yeah, something yeah. like that, which I believe was our antagonists list. Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, which, you know, it's like holidays, everybody gets kind of busy and uh, wrapped up in everything. So, happy holidays, you goons. Yeah, happy, That's happy. That's really nice way of saying we had shit to do, and you're lucky you're getting this one. Yeah, happy, happy, fuck you, it's January. Fuck you, it's January. <laughs> fuck you, it's January. Yeah, so uh, I'm James, also known as Saber0307, and I'm once again joined by, uh, you know, the, the lovely Lee and Cat, and apparently dogs barking outside, and JoJo whining in my room. This is great. Lovely JoJo. Uh, and it's me, your girl, the Attack Cat, uh, on Twitch. Um... I am a dialect designer by day, horror writer slash artist slash streamer by night. And top of the fucking morning, it's Lee Alder, the Valley Jester. And I'm checking in just to make sure you've all been doing okay while we've been gone for a little while. What a pair of fucking movies we got, uh, we got yeah. this week, Jesus. Right? So... Weird, weird feature. So, I will say, though, they are not wholly unrelated to one another, though. Ba -bum -ba. Oh, yeah. my God. Yes. I will, uh, I will mention that when we get to it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I, cause, because I, too, was like, man, these are extremely different movies. And then I, on rewatch of one of them, I was like, huh. <laughs> there, there's our connection, I guess. <laughs> Well, before yeah. we uh, before we dive on into the first feature, bump bump ba da, Holy, don't put that in your body. Oh Jesus! Oh, no. oh yeah. Oh, what is it this today? Week? Today, ladies and gentlemen, is a throwback. This is uh, this is a little bit of celebrating the yesteryear, as it were. I figured with moving on to a new year and new fresh beginnings. That it was apropos that I uh, indulge in a little something from when I was but a wee young lad on the emerald fields of Ireland. Uh, uh -huh. What I have here, for all transparency, is something I've had many times before, but swore off of. Like a horrible drug that I would never touch ever again. Because I, uh, I used to pound about three to five of these bad boys a day back when I was in high school. And haven't touched one basically since. That's a lot uh, of old granddadly. And oh no, I can't. Oh, oh, oh no, for several reasons, I won't be touching the old granddad anymore. 
<laughs> but no, what we have here is the classic amp. The oh, uh, the nitrous damn. fucking horrid. They still make that limer green. See, that's the thing. <laughs> is I thought they disappeared for a long fucking time. They went uh-huh. the way of the dodo, buried underground in some ancient tomb, never uh-huh. to be seen again. And then they just started to have a resurgence, like last year or so. Fucking wild. And uh, nice. yeah, it was like the ghost of Christmas past coming to haunt me in my sleep, going, I'm back. And I said, no, please, not like this. I've been so good. Just listen to the escaping souls from the can. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. You know how smells can sometimes like trigger uh-huh. memories and like send you back uh, in time oh yeah oh yeah where are this, you going lee <laughs> this this smells like i should be doing homework and i'm playing starcraft <laughs> oh yeah excellent that that excellent. smells oh that smells like all of my awkward high school thespian years rolled up into one can you mean so, back when blizzard was good blizzard was never good all right here we go <laughs> That slurp made it sound already very unappealing. Oh, man. Some things are better kept in memory. You know when um, <laughs> you've got really strong memories of a program or a movie from back in the day? and Oh, mm-hmm. I should I should indulge the old nostalgia and go back and rewatch like Dot Hack Sign or like original Dragon Ball. And then why did I do this? I, uh... Yeah, it was me uh-oh. with the third Turtles movie. Oh no, and now I'm looking at the nutrition label. 116% the daily sugar value. Oh. Oh lord. Oh, 116%? You fucking serious? <laughs> at 5 p.m., let's go. Oh fuck. Why why am I putting this in my body? Because you need a hero, Lee. God. All right, and you're staying alive. Immensely. Let's do this. That was my shitty segue. I, I rate this. Uh, I rate this four zergling rushes out of ten. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Nostalgia. Nostalgia gets no bonus points here. Good. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Beautiful. Oh boy. All right. Well, are we ready to kick it off with this? With our first, our first movie Let's to discuss for the evening. Yeah. Uh, James, I think. Since you were the one who kind of brought this movie to our attention, I think you should probably kick, probably take the lead, unless unless yeah. wants to fight you on it. Negative. Yeah, okay. that's fine. Uh, yeah, I brought this up. I'll take uh, the league on the third piece of shit we talk about later. Oh god. Womp, womp. Yeah, uh, I brought this up on the Gooncast as just uh, on one of our uh, what have you been doing recently, and it was Bullet Train, and I uh, yeah. I watched it, and I thought it was really fun. And I was like, hey, we should do a watch party. It doesn't even necessarily have to be for the Gooncast. And then we're all busy because of holiday shit. And we realized that the year was slipping by and we wanted to do one more Gooncast. And it turns out, you know, it was a fun movie. So let's talk about it. Uh, For those unaware, Bullet Train is a uh, 2022 action comedy based off of a Japanese novel. Uh, I believe the novel is called Maria Beetle. Uh, it has an ensemble cast starring Brad Pitt, Michael Shannon, Joey King, Sandra Bullock, uh, Zaza Beats, um, Aaron Taylor Johnson, 
uh, and a whole bunch of other people that you'll recognize probably, but maybe not necessarily uh, no name to. It also has our our boy uh, Hiroyuki Sanada, mm-hmm. who was uh, recently in Mortal Kombat 2021. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I gotta I gotta just amend one little thing. You gotta put some respect on the name of one of Goon Cast's favorite actresses. Oh, Joey King. Joey King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of of Wish Upon yeah. Fam. Of Wish Upon Fam. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. See, we need. We, I firmly believe that movies like Bullet Train now are gonna make Joey catch on, and she's gonna start oh, yeah. landing all these big fucking roles. And, she and we're gonna be the three. We're going to be the three on the sidelines going, I remember back when she was talking multiverses. Listen, listen. I, I guess this means, you know, since she's a goon cast regular, we got to watch that fucking Slenderman movie in the near future, right? Uh, oh, well, sure. I've already seen it, so... Uh... That didn't stop us from doing something on the Bye Bye Man. That's true. God, That's I, I, I actually don't know which one is worse, because they're, like, the same tier of, like... They're not just bad, they're like boring. My my money without seeing yeah. Slenderman, my money is that Slenderman will be worse because it's based yes. on a dead meme and it was hacked yes. to shit to get yes. a PG-13 rating and to avoid controversy. Mhm. Which it d- doesn't matter because literally it came out or like it came out right after the uh Yeah. IRL yeah. stabbings that yeah. were inspired by Slenderman. So it's just like you guys, you could not win. Yeah, <laughs> don't you? Don't you hate? Tried. Don't you hate when something good is ruined by IRL stabbings? <laughs> yeah, I know, it's great. Right? God. So speaking of IRL stabbings, uh, Bullet Train is basically a comedy of errors uh, involving mm. a bunch of assassins, all on a bullet train in Japan for a wide variety of different reasons. At least they think. Uh, you have Brad Pitt feeling in for another assassin named Carver, and he's kind of a little bit on hard times, trying to go through therapy to work out his issues, and he's just got a simple snatch-and-grab case. He's just got to get on this train and, and steal a briefcase and then, and then get off at the next next station, and he feels he's completely unlucky. And uh, sure enough, arguably he's maybe unlucky, arguably he's very lucky, but, but he kind of gets forced to stay on this train and is wrapped up in a larger, greater conspiracy involving all these assassins and very well-choreographed fight sequences that make very, yeah. very damn good use of the environment they're set in. Mm-hmm. Like, we, off, off podcast, we were all kind of discussing our favorite, like, individual one-on-one fight yeah. scenes. I absolutely wanted to have a, a side thing of just, like, what was your favorite, what was your favorite fight scene in this movie? So I don't know. I don't know if you want to do that now. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Fuck it. About... Okay, yeah, all yeah. Right. Let's do it. So like, go go first, Kat. Okay. Yeah. My favorite was the ladybug versus hornet fight, uh, which happens I think close to the halfway point, and it's basically Brad Pitt's character um, finds the woman who has um, she stole a snake at the beginning of the film, and uh, basically her whole mo is poison. Um, and so the entire fight revolves around the two of them, uh, or her trying to stab him with a with a syringe of, I believe, snake venom. I believe it's the snake that yeah. she... Yes. Um, which is, like, she was specifically hired to, uh, to kill, like, the son in the same way that Brad Pitt killed the, like, killed off all of the party members of the wedding in Mexico. And it's like a whole big tangled web of stuff. 
But anyway, it's like a really fun fight where like they're essentially both like, you know, fighting each other over this thing the size of the size of a pen, and then Brad Pitt gets stabbed with it. Brad Pitt then takes the syringe and stabs her with it, and then part two of the fight is them fighting over the like antidote that she has. Which just ends up being, like, a very quick two-second thing of, like, Brad Pitt, like, diverts it and stabs himself with it. And then it's just her dying of this horrible, like, blood-curdling poison that she intended for him. Uh, And it's just a really fun, good fight. Yeah. (laughs) It's well choreographed, and I like those fights that are, like, really super intimate and also just goofy as hell. She, her, like, her catchphrase is basically, like... You bitch! Yeah, <laughs> like, just, she just calls you him a bitch. a bitch the whole time. Yeah, she's yeah, she's got the Freddy Krueger thing going on. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Welcome it's to prime um, time, bitch. yeah, it's wonderful. And then and then like it ends with her like desperately crawling around for like like she's dying, so she's just like crawling for something, and he's just sitting there asking her like. You don't seem like the religious type. Do you want like a blanket? Do you want me to hold your hand? I don't. Can know. I have some water? <laughs> yeah. As she's like pouring, pulling, pouring water like onto her face, that's like, you know, blood is pouring out of her eyes, and like she's a fucking goner. Like, yeah. But it's fun. It's very fun. <laughs> yeah, this movie. It um, the, the comparison I kept wanting to make in my head while I was watching it was Smoke and Aces. Yes, which, absolutely. Uh, you know, a bunch of hitmen come together trying to get the same mark and like same kind of like killer ensemble cast and like yes. tone and yeah. and yeah, like every every killer has their own specialty or gimmick or weapon yeah. or something. And they and they kind of always do a little bit of a like here's the like quick flashback scene of like the backstory of this guy or like mm-hmm. you know something something clever that sets them up as a character within like a couple. A couple seconds or a couple minutes. Yeah, Bullet Train, the best way I could put it is it's Smoke and Aces, but it takes itself just a tad more seriously. Because Smoke uh, and Aces is totally just pulpy, like, shit. Which is why I love it. I do have a, uh, um... Well, I didn't didn't want to divert from your favorite fight scene, though. Uh, But um, my... uh, I guess just as as a quick thing, my other comparative, like movie slash story slash whatever um would be i feel like this is almost a comedic take on murder on the orient express a little bit yeah because specifically because of the the line that um gets referenced repeatedly throughout that movie where they talk about like trains as sort of like the great equalizer we're like nowhere else in the world do you have you know obviously this is like the 20s so like planes didn't exist yet but it's like it's the ultimate like group of strangers gathered together and like just just going somewhere right Mm -hmm. like you don't know each other you are literally all passing ships in the night um and it you know in murder on the Orient express it ends up being like no all of these people actually plan to be on this train to murder a person Mm -hmm. and in this movie it's kind of no all of these separate people plan to be on this train to like murder each other (laughs) basically it's funny how it all works out that way sometimes yeah you know (laughs) So, Lee, so, what's your favorite fight scene? Yeah, so my favorite fight sequence is uh Brad Pitt is uh he's getting away with the bag. He's got he's got the briefcase that is the uh that is the MacGuffin that a bunch of people are trying to get their hands on. And he's about to get away scot-free. He gets to the uh he gets to the door of the train as it comes into station, doors open up, and there is rap sensation bad bunny. Standing there in a fresh white suit with some dried blood on it. 
and uh or no it was a it was a wine stain yes mm-hmm. and uh my boy bad bunny is playing benito martinez ocasio the wolf mm-hmm. and he's a bad motherfucker with a big ass knife mm-hmm. now let me tell you something a little about me i love a fucking knife fight in a movie <laughs> i love a good hand-to-hand fight i love a good shootout Give me a fucking knife fight any day. Oh, hell yeah. And, well, Brad Pitt, he doesn't have a knife. What's he got? Oh, he's got the MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. So this fight is Bad Bunny, WrestleMania superstar, up against Brad Pitt in a knife versus briefcase fight. Now, Saber put this very well uh, when we were first discussing the movie. Which is, um, or you know what? I don't want to miscredit. Cat, it might have been you. One of you said mm. that it feels like every movie is trying to be John Wick. Oh, because yeah. that's kind of like the thing these days. Because John Wick huh. took off so well. That that was Saber. Yeah. yeah. This with the tight, con- you know, confinement of the arena. Because again, this doesn't forget its surroundings. This feels like a fight scene in a cramped ass train car. This felt like the raid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. And that tickled me wonderfully because Brad Pitt, he's uh he's not necessarily trying to kill Bad Bunny. He's not trying to kill the wolf. He doesn't remember he, who this dude is. He doesn't want to even kill anybody. <laughs> yeah, it, uh-huh. he's he's just he's filling in for somebody at work, you know? You you're about to enjoy your day off from whatever you do and you got to get called in because some jag off is like pretending to be sick or something you know we've all been there so knife versus briefcase in the the (laughs) tight confines of a train car uh ending as all great great knife fights do with the knife owner being killed by his own knife yes which is how it always goes down you know what it's it's a formula that exists for a reason we don't need to fuck with it I, I I agree that that scene is is really, really good. Also, in part because it's literally the intro scene for the wolf as well. Yes. <laughs> so, like, uh, so like he sh- the, 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 the train doors open, we see him, we get a flashback of, like, his entire story, basically. His like, flashback is longer than the fight sequence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. and it's, it's done with mostly no dialogue, said. too. Where yeah. it's, we oh, get in this entire shit just with no I, dialogue. I, I want to I wanna talk about, like, other favorite scenes after this because there are so many scenes that are just, like, so well shot and yep. convey the story so well with no words. Yep. It's just, it's so, yeah. Like, I think the cinematography for this, um, uh, the cinematography and just, like, directing of this movie it's were solid. absolutely spot on. It's yeah. rock solid. Yeah. So for uh, for mine, what's your favorite? Yeah, yeah uh, there's there's a like. Let me preface this where it's like I th- for me there isn't a single fucking dud fight scene in this entire goddamn movie. I I, I loved <laughs> oh, every yeah. every fight, and it's a very tough call. Uh, my runner up would be uh, Tangerine versus uh, Ladybug in especially with like the little concession interlude thing. But my <laughs> yeah. my my favorite as a whole is uh, uh, um. Lemon versus Ladybug in the quiet car because it's oh, it's confined yes. to the two of them just sitting across from each other in 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 this thing and trying to beat the shit out of each other without making any noise because this lady keeps fucking shushing them and it's very creatively done with 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 
just how they execute stuff and and how they're hopping Comedic back and forth. Timing. Yeah, it's it's just rock solid. It's 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 a hell of a lot of fun, and we get more. Part of the reason why I like it so much is because of Lemon. He might be my favorite character in the entire movie because of his fucking obsession with Thomas the Tank Engine, which yeah. yes. was please, kind please, of an emotional heart of the film too. Please tell the fine people out there who Lemon and Tangerine are. So Lemon and Tangerine are 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 twins, apparently. One is uh, played by uh, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, which is Tangerine. Uh, the other is uh, Brian Tyree Henry, who plays Lemon. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry was recently in Godzilla vs. Kong. I don't know what else he's been in. I know I've seen him around. Um, and they're two, two twin brothers who, who do hits together, and they're like, quote-unquote, the best of the best, and they're constantly bickering with each other. And Lemon is obsessed with the children's television show Thomas the Tank Engine. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's a fun little character trait where he basically assigns a Thomas engine to almost the Thomas character to almost every single person he meets. Uh, and that's kind of like how he judges their personality. Oh, it's like, oh, you're 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 a Thomas. Oh, you're such and such. And like the worst of the worst is the diesel. Now, I don't know much about Thomas the Tank Engine. I haven't watched that show in years. I don't remember any of the characters. But, like, he carries around even a little sticker book to give people stickers as to, like, yes, you're this character. Yes, you're this character. It, it kind of becomes a plot point. <laughs> it kind of becomes a plot point. That he, he, he outs Joey King as, like, actually not the innocent little girl she's pretending to be by sticking her with the diesel sticker yeah. at the end. And and it has an it has an emotional payoff towards the end of the film when yeah. spoilers uh Tangerine is killed and 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 Lemon is sitting with Tangerine's corpse and tells him that he's a Thomas and it's a very it's a very emotional scene for 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 a comedic action movie uh, and then it has a comedic payoff where despite his obsession with with Thomas the Tank Engine he doesn't know how to fucking drive the train <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's it's yes. it's just a wonderful little character arc, and, and Tangerine and Lemon are constantly bickering with each other, and it's it's fun bickering, and in his bickering with with Ladybug later on is also quite fun as well. Mm -hmm. This movie yes. does this movie does a lot of um, a lot of tonal things correctly that like I I've got a soft spot for you know I've I've mentioned in a few podcasts in in the past that. I adore when there's like the team of mercenaries who all have a specialty, you know, yes. I, I love that. Mm -hmm. But I, I equally love when you've got this big, like hodgepodge, this big gumbo going together of all these different spicy ingredients. And they almost like keep topping each other with how ludicrous they are, but they still never fall outside that realm of believability that is set within the universe like it gets crazy but never crazy enough that it becomes far-fetched i while i agree with you that nothing ever felt like okay this is this is too ridiculous and it fully took me out of the movie uh i will say as like because i i on on a second watch um i did find more things that i didn't necessarily gel with with the film okay uh i still think it's great but um the uh, at the end of the movie, the uh, the train, you know, kind of goes out of control and ends oh. up crashing through the barrier at the end. And, like, 
it it just it was a little bit too Bugs Bunny for me. Oh, it's very I'm, over the top and I'm cartoonish. With you there. No, I, yeah. I was speaking purely just to like the characters' traits yeah. and like abilities. But oh, oh yeah, yes, absolutely. The movie quite literally goes off the rails. <laughs> yes, and, yes, uh, yes. And like yeah, like I I didn't necessarily hate the ending at all because like I think there were still some really fun moments of like okay, all the characters are kind of like really fucked up and it's sort of like everybody's last stand. We get. Like Joey King gets taken out by like like a truck, like Mean Girls style, which was awesome. A tangerine <laughs> truck, no less. Yes. Is yes. Yes. And yeah, so that was like that was fucking hilarious. Uh, that um, was just the Chinese puzzle box. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's true. That's Michael... true. It is the second movie we've seen where she dies in a car accident. Yep. Michael Shannon <laughs> screaming out in a thick Russian accent, "Do not call me bro!" Right before his head <laughs> yeah. explodes. Yeah, that was. Yeah. He. Yeah. Oh yeah, spoiler alert, he's the like big bad that like orchestrated this whole thing and he gets got by his own daughter, Joey King's like rigged like it, essentially her plan works. Yes. Like especially essentially she ends up like like everything that all of her machinations paid paid the fuck off. But then, you know, she kind of fucked with the wrong people and just yeah. Gets gets run over. <laughs> it's then which, you know, good riddance cuz she's a fucking heartless monster. <laughs> He, yes, yes. The character was was absolutely awful. Yes. Yeah, um, I... I another thing though that I noticed on more on second watch, which like I wouldn't necessarily call it problematic, but like it definitely is something that made me pause a little bit and say, now why is this set in Japan when like almost all of the characters and most of the important extras are white or non-Japanese people. Um, I know it's based on a Japanese, like, story? Yes. Or, like, novel? Yeah. Um, but it felt very much like, um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Bunraku? I have not, no. Oh, I've seen Bunraku. Okay, it felt Oh, I love me some Bunraku. Bunraku is great, but it's also very, like, white people take on Japan. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Sure. Where it was just like, like, okay, there's... There's maybe a few of these things, but at the very least, like, one of the main characters is, uh, what's his face? Rain, the pop star, right? Is that his name? Um, in, uh, in Bunraku? It's been a hot minute. I know, I'm like, I can't, it's, it's been a long, the only thing I remember, the reason I watched that movie was Kevin McKidd, um, mm. who's awesome. <laughs> Shout out to Kevin uh, McKidd. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, you know, it kind of made the, like, uh, there, there's a scene r- shortly after we're introduced to Lemon and Tangerine where it's like, oh, like we got, we killed 17 people on the way here. And he's like, no, 16. And they're like arguing about it. And then they go through and do like, okay, like one, two, three. And it's all like very comedy beat, like, like mass murder. And it's all like generic Japanese thugs. And I'm like, I don't you know. You're talking about Gact. Gact is in Bunraku. <laughs> we don't talk about Gact. Gact is in Bunraku. Oh Okay, we need to do a Boon Rocky no watch party. No matter how hard we try, we can't escape him. <laughs> Why won't you die? That's that's amazing. That's a, oh my god. Okay, but anyway. <laughs> but yeah, the all, uh... that, all that being said, it kind of it kind of like took me out of what was supposed to be a comedy beat to be like, I don't I don't know how much I dig this right now. Of like you just massacring a bunch of nameless Japanese people in a movie set in Japan. 
when none of the named, like almost none of the named characters are Japanese. Yeah, it's 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 based on a Japanese novel with strictly, as far as I know, I think in the novel they're all supposed to be Japanese characters. But the author's mm-hmm. intent, from what I hear or from what he said, because there was kind of a, a bit of a mini controversy about the film because of the casting and everything like that. And his, I I, I kind of figured as much. Yeah. Because I mean, this is. This is also something that, like, is not unique to this movie in particular. Like, there's plenty of movies that are like, we'll set this in an exotic locale, and then everyone is just American, and you're like, come on, y'all. <laughs> His, uh, the, the author's big take was the fact that, like, he, he generally, like, doesn't see race for any specific of the, like, the, the alias characters and whatnot. So he's like, yeah, I'm fine with it, so long as it contains the, the soul of the novel. Which it apparently does, according to him. But, like... Yeah, did he he like it? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, yeah. Like, apparently there were talks about adapting it and setting it in a different part of the world to try to maybe potentially circumvent that stuff. Mm -hmm. However, they decided to keep it in Japan because of, like, the international appeal of Tokyo. And mm-hmm. also, it's like... It's very striking visually. Yeah. And, and and bullet trains are kind of very unique, too. Like, it's a unique setting for it. Yes, for yeah. It. Like, you know, it would, be, it would be kind of weird if they just kind of, like, pretended America had something like that or pretended somewhere in Europe had something like that because it's just like, well, but we know... We know Japan has these trains. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I get, I get it, and I'm glad that the author doesn't have a problem with it. I am simply saying that as... As an American person who is uh, uh, at least somewhat aware of these kind of cultural things, watching with my, you know, uh, Chinese-born, Japanese-raised husband, it was a little bit like, huh, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's all. Those are my those are my two kind of like gripes with the film um, that I, you know I think people should be aware of going into it. Yeah, if you can if you can put up with an absolutely ridiculous third act that mm-hmm. stops caring about any sense of believability, um, if that doesn't if that doesn't detract from your your enjoyment of the movie, then it's it's a wild ride. Um, it's yeah, it's the third act, as Lee said, literally goes off the rails and becomes kind of cartoonish. It's yeah, yeah, still fun. Like it's definitely took me out of the believability of the situation. Granted, yeah, a big like part he- of the theme of the movie is luck. Yes, but and it's like Brad Brad Pitt like flies through the crashing train and like conveniently lands on the yeah, the, the mascot like, costume. The mascot costume, yeah. And I was just kind of like, okay, I know I know why you're doing this, and I know this like this is not necessarily out of tone for the movie, but I'm it's just a little bit like, eh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about this. Yeah, Saber brought it up. They they do he they do lean heavily into the theme of luck and fate in this movie, and mm-hmm. you know it, it kind of it kind of boils down to like the final confrontations between uh, Brad Pitt's character Ladybug, who is who he who he believes is complete bad luck, and Hiroyuki Sonata's character up against Michael Shannon's uh, big imposing Act Three villain, the White Death, who is so lucky that before executing an enemy he plays russian roulette with himself and always survives Mm -hmm. which let's just point out is a badass character detail oh yeah and every time he's about to ice somebody he's Uh just gotta prove that he can survive a shot to the head himself yeah oh you Mm -hmm. oh you're so fucking the trait of how he spins it too yeah and then and then him getting getting got by a gun like 
backfiring on him mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. so so perfect. Yep. Yeah. Bad luck. Uh yeah, exactly. <laughs> um the uh the other thing I wanted to like circle back to was um that yeah, we had like like we mentioned before, there were a lot of scenes that were just like really well shot with no dialogue. The fucking water bottle POV scene. Yes. Like at the very <laughs> end of the film, I was like I I feel like I missed it the first time. Because I saw that the second time I watched it and, like, died of laughter, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, so I was just like, We got a character arc for the water bottle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For, for anyone who's seen Lord of War, which opens with oh. the birth of a bullet. With the bullet, yeah, yeah. It's that, basically, for a bottle of Fiji water on its uh-huh. journey throughout the movie, and it's fucking brilliant. It's it's so good, because, like, yeah, this bottle is, like, really important, because, like, somebody slips poison into it, and somebody gets poisoned drinking it and it's just like oh this bottle of water jacks up the whole movie this bottle of water gets like the highest kill count (laughs) yes yeah actually i think so (laughs) yeah just because so many different people kill so many other different people that it's like as a result of it yeah yeah yeah. uh also the soundtrack was really good yeah um i really i especially dug the japanese covers of like uh uh staying alive and holding out for hero those oh, yeah. Were, those were dope. Those were really fun. It was all the karaoke jams. Yes. Yeah, yes. it was... It opens with Staying Alive. I wish it played a little longer because that cover Thank slaps. You. And yeah. it the, the final fight starts with Holding Out for a Hero, but in Japanese. And again, I wish that song played a little longer during the fight because it slapped and it fit the whole fucking theme really goddamn well. Well, we, we here on the Gooncast stand Bonnie Tyler. Yeah, we do. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the only thing we That's... don't stand is the uh, Bonnie Tyler satin I have, because it just keeps trailing you to turn around, and then every now and then it falls apart. Jesus Christ. All right. Thank you, James. <laughs> 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 Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Holy shit. Final thoughts on Bullet Train? Yeah, it's fun. Watch it, yeah. It's fun. It's like, yeah. it's, it, it is not, I mean, there are themes in the movie, and, uh, you know, like, like a lot of very fun characters, but it's not super deep. It's like a great no. popcorn flick. Yeah, turn your brain off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Uh, I rented it when it first went on video on demand or whatever, and, you know, it was fun. Uh, and now it's on Netflix, so, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah, you have no excuse it. not to if you have Netflix. So. Yeah, yeah. It's it was just a blast. It was it was a very fun, entertaining movie. Um, and you know, as Lee mentioned, and one of the things that I was really happy with is it it didn't try to be John Wick. And it, it, I was just about to say, like in a world of John Wick and John Wick clone, John Wick sequels and John Wick clones, this was a really refreshing assassin movie. Yeah, it it's uh, it was just overall it takes really. It, it, it utilizes its environment very, very, speaking very of, fucking well. Speaking of movies that use a bunch of foreign extras as just like, like, gen- or uh, uses all of their extras as generic foreigners, the John Wick movies. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah, go go double feature Bullet Train with uh, with Smoke and Aces, and you'll have a there real go. good time. There you go. There you go. Or, or double feature it with our next movie. Oh my God, yeah. If you... <laughs> yeah, we got a story to that one. Oh, man. Okay, so, uh, as our segue, though, I want to tell you guys the connection between Bullet Train ah. and Banshees of Inisherin. Okay. It is It is not as much of a stretch as you would assume. <laughs> okay. Um, so, 
uh, in Bullet Train, uh, shortly after we have met, uh, basically this is a Tangerine mm-hmm. and Lemon scene. Um, they, this is shortly after they have lost the briefcase. The, uh, uh, White Death's son, who they are supposed to be guarding, is still alive, but the deal was the money and the kid. And they lost the money. And they're like, well, we got the kid, that's the important part, right? It's family and stuff. And I think, I think Tangerine brings this up. He brings up a story of a woman who owed, like, the, like, this Russian mobster... A bunch of money and apparently she was five minutes late in like getting him the money mm. and he said okay now she owes him five fingers but uh... instead of making her quote unquote sit through it five times he just cut off her arm and that's basically them trying to be like we don't want to get our arm cut off by this. Like, we need to get the money back. Basically. Uh, speaking of fingers. Yeah. <laughs> da, da, da. Segway. <laughs> All right. All right. Bring us into station. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in a complete uh, divergence from the tone and uh, <laughs> joyousness with which, with which we uh, left our viewing of Bullet Train. Uh, Banshee's of Inisherim is not a movie for, uh, it's not a feel-good movie. Man, fuck this movie. Yeah, it is, yeah. it is, um, it is quite miserable, I will say. Um, and in that <laughs> That's way- That's a bit of an understatement. <laughs> in that way, though, it's brilliant. So, like- Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I cannot recommend this movie enough, but at the same time, with the caveat of, like, you will not just be sad. Like, you will be depressed so, by the end of this. As, as a quick aside, too, on that note, mm-hmm. uh, I did a second watch party of this the other night before <laughs> we went into Ghost Adventures. Mm-hmm. And uh, our friends and associates, uh, Greedy Kumquat and Lou Killy and Gino, joined me. And both Lou Killy and Greedy, like, I was telling everybody the entire time, this is a feels-bad movie. You're gonna feel like shit by the end of it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And the like the especially as the movie kept going on and on and on, they kept being like, "Fuck you, Saber, making us watch yep. this depressing shit." Yep. Fuck you. Yeah. I hate I, this I, movie. I mean, they loved it, but they they yeah. hated it too. <laughs> they that's, they that's had, the natural reaction. They yeah. had mentioned when I joined later for the the Ghost Hunter viewings. Uh, <laughs> they had mentioned that like they were just like, "Oh, we thought it was gonna be just like dark." You know, not like no. Crush your soul to no. dust. This is morose. <laughs> yes. This is this yes. is this is like super super pitch black bleak. You yes. you will yes. be laughing your ass off one minute yeah. and then be fighting holding yes. back tears the next. I think so Greedy even is... said she was literally crying at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I gasped not. I think a total of like three times in the film. Just because I was like so invested in what was happening on screen. Yeah. Um. So this is a this is a Martin McDonough um movie. Fuck uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So for those of you who the name sounds familiar, um, he is the writer director behind Seven Psychopaths in Bruges, uh, Three Billboards Outside. Ebbing. Something Missouri. Ebbing, Missouri. Ebbing, Missouri. Thank you. Um, a- as well as he's a he's a playwright. So uh, 
famously, I believe I've mentioned this repeatedly on the uh, on on the cast. Uh, he is the playwright behind my favorite play of all time, The Pillow Man, um, which actually has a lot more connections to this movie um, than I think I previously thought. Uh, but we'll get into that later. So um, Banshees is about two men, uh, Podrick, played by Colin Farrell, and Colm, played by Brendan Gleeson, um, who are very close friends who live on this island in Asherim, uh, like off the coast of Ireland. Um, the movie opens with uh, Colin Farrell's character going over to uh, Colm's house to get him for the pub, which they do like every day. And Colm doesn't want to be friends with him anymore. And that's the extent of the explanation. That is your entire premise for the movie. (laughs) Yep. Yep. It's two guys who have been friends for their whole lives. And then one of them just decides, I don't like you anymore. Yep. Yep. But you liked me yesterday. (laughs) Yep. And it's just, it's, he's like, he's like, he's like, did I do something wrong? And he's just like, no. No. No, nope. he did. Yeah, just yeah, and and his uh, so um, Colin Farrell's character is he's like a, I want to say he's a farmer, but really like we're not really shown what he does even. Yeah, like he kind of just spends most of his time like moving cows and going to the pub. <laughs> they sold they sold milk to the local general store. And yeah, that's about so it. yeah, exactly. So like I don't I. I I'm guessing that they don't, like, you know, rent is probably super cheap here, or they're living on, like, their family's old land or something like that, but, like, he doesn't really have to do much. Um, And he lives with his sister, Siobhan, played by Carrie Condon. Mm -hmm. Um, And she even jokes at the start of the movie when uh, uh, Padraig comes back and is like, you know, like, "I, I don't know why he's not talking to me. I don't think we're fighting. I don't know what's going on. And she's just like, maybe he just doesn't like you anymore. And, like, that's it. Like, that's the answer. <laughs> but that's not good enough for Podrick. And so what follows is this, like, incredible, like, slow burn of, like, Podrick being unable to accept that they're not friends anymore. And Colm also, in his own way, not being able to accept that they're not friends anymore. And it's this weird dance that they do where it's just like men communicate with each other. <laughs> and like Siobhan even says as much. Um, but uh but yeah, it's 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 wild. And as as the as the movie progresses, um, you know, you kind of get a little bit more insight into like what Colm is thinking. Um, he is a he's an aspiring artist. He's a a fiddler, I believe, who yeah. like writes his who's he's writing his own music. Um and uh He's basically grown tired of their friendship because he feels like he's wasting his time on, like, useless chatter with this guy when he could be writing his music and, like, focusing on what will be left behind when he's no longer alive. Like, you know, he he specifically has, um, you know, there's a, there's a scene specifically uh, when uh, Potter gets really drunk and finally, like, confronts him again in the pub um, where he talks about, like, you know, like, nobody... Uh, you know, because Podrick is like, you're not being nice. And Colm is just like, well, nobody, you know, we don't remember anybody from, like, the 18th century who was nice. We remember Mozart because he made, you know, these beautiful classical pieces. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's kind of the gist of it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then, kind of in, a, in an incredibly, like, 
twisted sort of logic. Um, Colm kind of weaponizes Podrick's like care, like like Podrick's friendship by saying, if you don't leave me the fuck alone, I am going to cut off my fingers so that I can't play my music and it will be your fault. Yep. And it's so fucked up. And like, um, again, this movie is incredibly, like the pacing is incredible. It's just like, it never feels slow. It always feels like things are happening, but it's this incredible, it, of all of Martin McDonough's movies, I think this is the one that to me feels the most like one of his plays, mm. um, which I think James can talk a little bit more about, like um, the, the sort of history behind it once we get into that a little more. Um, but th there's a reason for that. Um, the, and the screenplay is just so tight. It is yes. so perfect. Yes. And it like the 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 cadence of the written lines too is very reminiscent of the pillow man um and and some of his other works which i haven't really like i haven't read extensively but i've at least seen some of um it's also like it's focused on the singular locale which is the island it really only takes place in like basically like three major locations which are like their houses and the pub um and then it's just it's just centered on specifically this like the deterioration or the like implosion of this friendship <laughs> um so yeah, it's it's a really rough movie for anybody who's been through that awkward growing phase in life of realizing that there's people that you just leave behind as you get older. i mean absolutely yep. I, I, I think i also oh sorry go ahead i was just gonna say that like i i was mentioning during our i think like after we finished the movie uh i have been on both sides of that fence obviously not to that mm -hmm. fucking extreme uh <laughs> Wait, you never burned somebody's house down james i know you, yeah. haven't, you haven't lived until you've murdered yeah. someone's precious pet donkey <laughs> yeah uh as far as i know nobody's cut off their fingers because of me uh <laughs> i i have all 10 of my fingers um a likely story a likely <laughs> story exactly what someone with eight fingers would say <laughs> exactly uh yeah it's it's just a a brutal gut punch of a movie that you'll mm -hmm. be laughing at because yeah. of pitch black fucking humor and and other yes. occasional inappropriate nonsense because that's that's the trait yes. of this director <laughs> it, yes it, yes exactly like if you've seen any of martin mcdonald's movies or or plays then you know that he is he trades in sort of like I won't say inappropriate comedy because I don't think I don't think he ever it's ever like punching down or like mean spirited toward like he just tends to include characters that like it's very real in that respect. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, I think I think I'm you know I wrote down here that like Dominic is probably the closest to like like sort of a really really dark character in this. You know, like, cause, 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 effectively, he, he's, he's, he seems to have some sort of like mental hangups or mental problems. Yeah. Um. He's yeah. apparently horrible to women. He like gets kicked out of the bar all the time. Um. But he comes from an abusive home. His yep. his dad is horribly abusive to him, and like it's kind of just like this. Like it's not even a secret. Everybody knows it, and they just kind of like deal with it because they don't like Dominic. And it's like mm -hmm. that's that's pretty shitty. And also reminds me very much of a lot of. The like, you know, his other works. Um, he's, yeah. like, McDonough is never one to, like, shy away from sort of, like, really dark subject matter. I mean, like, Three Billboards is about a, like, rape and murder, right? Yep. Like, mm -hmm. uh, Seven Psychopaths is all, 
assassins effectively <laughs> in in Bruges um, is about the death of a child yes yes and and the pillow man too is about the serial murders of children and uh touches heavily on all forms of child abuse mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's and also it's heavy like, stuff yeah he, he 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 is big into heavy subject matter so like you know I, I, I guess like content warning for for people as well that like i think i think banshees of all of his all of all of his work i think for me has been like the least sort of like touchy on those things but it does still touch on those things because that is who he is as a writer and i think he has always done a really careful job um I also want to say before I continue, Jenny is best girl. Um, Absolutely. I miss, I miss her so much. Jenny um, Jenny is best girl. Siobhan is fucking great, but Jenny, Jenny is... Oh, yeah, Jenny Siobhan is, is great. Yeah. Jenny is perfect. Um, and yeah, also, like, to, to what, what you both were saying about, like, yeah, like, the growth of friendships, like, I I very much think that this this also struck a very personal note with me, because not once, but twice in my life, I have had very close friends just sort of like ghost me and decide that like our friendship was not only fleeting but conditional and mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of the conditions and for some reason those conditions just got revoked without my knowing and that's yep. it right uh no one has ever cut off fingers and mailed them to me but um yeah they so, could have thrown them at your house i mean they could have been in your yard or something I that, don't know. you know what that's true that's true maybe i just never found them cuz i did have dogs growing up and dogs like to eat fingers Oh, R.I.P. Jenny. Um, <laughs> but, too soon. Uh, yeah, absolutely too soon. So, uh, so yeah, this this movie um, has a really like the escalation is. It's a very quiet film. It's not you know like like graphic depictions of of people getting murdered like you know Bullet Train right like that's not the point of it. But that makes the the, the violence that does happen or maybe not violence but the the graphic content that does happen uh so much more impactful in a in a like emotional way right because effectively Potter keeps keeps trying to reconnect with Colm like he's just he's desperate for him like to to be friends with him again and effectively he does end up pushing him to cut off one of his fingers um and that's sort of the first instant of like oh okay he's not joking this is fucked up this is awful right and still Podrick's like i have to give him his finger back and his sister's just like you're you're an idiot <laughs> like do not yeah. do that right like like don't talk stop talking to this guy he doesn't want to talk to you and everyone is everyone is basically like you are you're stu- you're fucking stupid <laughs> and then it's like but he's just he's just desperate for this connection again yeah lou, um, lou had a theory as we were watching it that that uh uh Podrick's character might might be on the spectrum but because it's like you know, 1920s, that wouldn't necessarily be talked about or diagnosed or anything like that, especially in, like, a rural community like that. Yeah, like, yeah, he's absolutely. very, and, he does and not I, get the message, and he's just so adamant about trying to I, fix things. And I will actively say that uh, that is also a subject that Martin McDonough has touched on before, because in The Pillow Man, famously, the main character's brother is, uh, like, you know, has some form of of mental handicap where he's he's in a in a special needs school um and they because of the um the tone like like the characters refer to it in much less uh nice language than i am using right now so therefore like 
again, content warning, but um, it is it is a very real thing that he's touched on before. So I would not be surprised if elements of that came into this character as well. Yeah, and that's that's also why I think Dominic might also have something, you know, something going on um, in that regard. Uh, I also want to point out that it takes place during the Irish during the Irish Civil War, um, yep. but none of the characters give a shit about the conflict. Yeah, they they for, actively for do not care. Reasons. Yeah, yeah. Dominic says he's like he's against the war entirely. Um his dad like his dad is asked to go to the mainland to oversee like an ed- an execution and he's confused about who's executing whom and and this is when he's talking to Colm and Colm is kind of like you don't care who they're like you know like you, you don't remember who they're executing and he's just like I just don't care. I want to see somebody die and it's like okay, you're you're really fucked up. Yeah, he's, um, he's like I I I'd go there for if it was executing yeah. you. Yes, yes, exactly because he's like for for six pence and a free lunch like awesome, you know. Yeah. Like, this is like, this okay, is a poor very... impoverished community that Yes. like execution is entertainment. Uh yep, yep, yep. Um, and, uh, uh, all, like, even, even, even for Podrick, like, it's just, it's mostly just that they're so isolated from it all that it doesn't affect them. Um, but in some ways, like, that, you know, that sort of theme reflects back on the conflict that's happening between the two characters. Um, and yeah, this is, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, so, yeah, um, essentially the escalations continue. Colm does eventually end up uh, cutting off all of his fingers, and uh, when he does so, um, uh, he you know he he throws them at their house again, uh, and the um, uh, Patrick's pet donkey Jenny uh, gets a hold of them, and she ends up choking and and dying on one of them, and that's the point where like Patrick kind of snaps, where he's like, this is no longer about us being friends at all, like. Yeah. Uh, like I am getting revenge, and the thing is, he's still such a sweet guy. Because oh, I forgot to mention the old lady. <laughs> the there's a, there's a, there's a, yeah, there's an old lady in this movie, and uh, she's she's kind of technically, I believe she is the banshee of the title. Um, and the reason I believe this is because Colm has a line where he talks about uh, banshees are no longer wailing to portend deaths; they're just sitting back, amused, and like waiting for them to happen. Yeah. And she portents that two deaths are going to happen on the island before the movie, b- before like this is all over, quote unquote. Um, and she's right in a, in a weird way. Um, in, in not the way that we're led to believe, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically, uh, Patrick goes back to the pub and uh, Colm is like, Hey, yeah, I cut off all my fingers, but like, don't worry about it. Like we're square now. And he's like, no, we're not fucking square. My donkey's dead, and I'm going to burn your fucking house down. And I don't give a shit if you're in it or not. <laughs> um, and effectively, that's exactly what he does. He, but he ends up um, he ends up saving his dog and bringing his dog back. Uh, yeah, he even um, he even tells him like, "Your dog has nothing to do with this. Leave him outside." Yes, yes. And, I'm, and, I'm telling and, you the exact and, time so you the dog yes. doesn't die. <laughs> yes, yes. And specifically, also, he passes the um, on the way to the pub. He passes the old lady who says, don't go killing his dog now. And then he goes, don't don't go filling my head with ideas I didn't fucking have before you talk to me, you nutbag. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, it, it, it's just great. Pretty and, good um, Shakespearean tragedy needs a soothsayer. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, um, yeah, uh, I should also mention Siobhan at this point has left the island. Um, She got a job as a librarian, I believe, uh, on the mainland. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, effectively with her gone and then with Jenny's death and, you know, now his his friendship is over effectively, like, Potter doesn't have anybody at all. Um, And as we find out later, the second death that the soothsayer prophesized uh, is the death of Dominic. Um, so as he's like like writing his his sort of farewell letter to Siobhan, uh, he we we learn that Dominic drowned in the lake. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was kind of just like this this tragic incident. But because of that, that means there's been two deaths. Uh-huh. So when Podrick goes back to check on the house. He finds that even though when he was there, when he started lighting the house on fire, he saw Colm inside, Colm did not die in the house fire. Um, so he he basically like brings the dog back and the dog runs off and they have sort of like one last conversation with uh, with each other. Um, Colm did actually end up like writing his song uh, or writing his, yeah, like his the, the, his magnum, his magnum opus that he was working on, that he he thought that um, uh, Potter's friendship was actively like impeding, uh, and yeah, but it's just it's just sort of like this this very tragic end of of you know even though uh, Colm clearly wants nothing to do with Potterick, and in, in so much as he's saying that repeatedly, there's still so many instances throughout the movie that show that he still really cares about him, like you know when. Uh, when Dominic's dad, the asshole cop, like tries to threaten him, he like fucking knocks him out like twice, effectively. Um, yeah, and just it it just ends on this extremely dour note of like everyone on this island is miserable. Yep. Everyone is miserable. Siobhan asks her brother like, please come out to the island, like or, or like please come off the island. Like, there's room for you here. The war is o- the war is ending. You can get a job. Like, like you can be happy and not chained to this like miserable rock in the middle of the ocean. And he's just like, I have to stay with my animals, and yeah. my home is in a sherim. And it's just like, oh. yeah. At the end of the second watch party, both Greedy and Lou were like, No, that that's not the ending. Fuck you. Where's the yeah. ending? What? No, yeah. no. There has to be a scene after the credits. Where's the ending? Fuck you. It's not yeah. ending like this. Fuck you. <laughs> Yep, yep. We, yeah. and, and on, on that note, too, when we first watched this, we were planning on doing a double feature of Banshees and, and Bullet Train, and we started oh, yeah. with Banshees. Yes. And uh, we're all too kind of wrapped up in thought uh, yeah. to, to do Bullet Train. And mm-hmm. coincidentally, we almost didn't do Zach Baggins stuff after watching Banshees because <laughs> Lou and Greedy were too fucking depressed. Like, I can't yeah, do this. Of course not. Like, yeah, this it's a movie. It's a movie that will stick with you both emotionally and mentally. Um, it's 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 just it's just really, really good. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those movies that. It can strike a very visceral chord if you've been in those positions. You know, this is mm-hmm. the the main conflict of this movie is ambition versus complacency. Yep. Yes. And yes, you you can't fault Calm for wanting to follow his passion and wanting to complete his compositions and be remembered for his art. 
And at the same time, until he, you know, starts to go off the deep end, you can't fault Podrick because he's, he's living a decent life. He, he, you know, tends to his animals. He makes a living for he and his sister. Mm -hmm. And he just wants to spend time with his best friend out at the pub. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's and talk about what the shit was in his, like, you know, the the consistency of his of his uh, pony shit. He wants to talk dumb shit with his best yeah. friend all day. You know, neither of them is to fault for wanting to follow their their goal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is where the pain of this whole story, you know, really resides in. If they were yes. a little more like emotionally mature and knew yes. how to approach <laughs> the topic, like oh my a God. lot of a lot of movies have like those stupid situations where it's like, God, if the characters would just have a conversation, yes. this would all be over. Which and multiple is... multiple characters point out. Siobhan mentions being like, why don't men fucking talk to each other? And even Dominic says, what is he, 12? When he yeah, learns why, that, like... why is he acting like a moody school child? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And this is this is an example of it done like with, with the joke of it aside, like the meme yes. of what's that become aside. And yeah. this is... You know, just two people who have that disconnect, who yeah. don't know how to set boundaries mm-hmm. and are yep. both just following what in their heart they know is correct. Yeah. And unfortunately for Podrick, it's a pattern that repeats because yes. his best friend moves on to follow their ambition and then he loses his sister to the same thing. She mm-hmm. decides to roll the dice on taking a job across the pond. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a very grim sort of series of events that you know while it does start to get into more and more like crazy stakes like with the fingers and burning houses down this is a situation that a lot of people who watch this movie will find themselves in if they haven't found themselves in it already yep absolutely absolutely um and the last thing that i wanted to bring up um which lee you actually coincidentally already sort of mentioned um when you talked about the theme of ambition versus complacency Mm. um so i think that i've mentioned i mentioned this earlier but i think that of all of his uh of all of his movies i think this is the closest one i've seen to um the experience of watching or or reading the the pillow man um and james do you want to talk a little bit about why that is um, yeah, so, like, I, I, I'm not as familiar with, with his play, uh, his, his works as a playwright, right? But, um, I was looking into this because I was very kind of, like, curious of, like, you know, when, when I love a film, I kind of want to look more into it. And it turns out that, uh, uh, Martin McDonough has a series of plays set on the Aran Islands, and he has The Cripple of Inishaman and the Lieutenant of Inishimor, right? And uh, there's... Which, uh, Cripple, Cripple of Inishiman is the only one that I had heard of before, and the only reason I heard of it was because I believe Daniel Radcliffe uh, played the starring role mm. in um, in London at some point. Okay, and uh, he, he, had a, he had a third play that he was working on called The Banshees of Inishir, and apparently it was never published because McDonough insisted that it isn't any good, and he wanted to return to it when he was a little older. Uh, he insists that the Banshees of Inisherin doesn't have much resemblance to like 
the premise of his original pr- play, but it it seems as though like this is kind of like his attempt at taking that concept of his his third play for that trilogy, and and as a, a, a an older individual who has now more experience in writing and 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 storytelling and stuff like that, crafting a new movie out of it. Y'all y'all are aligning perfectly with the the points I wanted to make. Um, because I do, I do feel like specifically there is, there is a shared theme, uh, with the pillow man, um, in Banshees. Um, and I think it's this, the, the sharing of this theme speaks to McDonough's evolution as a writer. Um, because the pillow man was, uh, written a while ago. Um, let me actually see when that was right i think um, i saw it was like 90s his, right like 1994 it's, it's or five it's 2003 is when it was like published but mm. uh oh yeah it actually yeah 1995 was like the first so yeah he is it, like this is one of his i think oldest plays mm. um and uh specifically it's about um yeah, sorry, I should just b- pull the bandit off and give the quick elevator pitch of The Pillow Man. Um, the Pillow Man is about a writer that is um, arrested and interrogated by um, the police of a totalitarian dictatorship um, about uh, the content of his unpublished short stories. Um, because he has one story that has been published, the details of which exactly mirror the murder of a, um, of a child. Um, and they are investigating a series of murders which appear to mirror other details in his unpublished works. Um, it is a fascinating little play. Um, it is beautifully written. Uh, I uh, had the... Uh, I was lucky enough to be part of a production of it um, back in my hometown. Uh, I was the assistant director for a like very small theater group. Um, and like just that performance like i I just i i can't speak highly enough about this play um but um specifically the theme of the lasting nature of art is shared between these two uh the these two uh stories um in uh in banshees it's clearly embodied in colm's ambitions Right. He 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 talks very explicitly about uh, wanting to kind of like have something to be remembered by, not wanting to waste his time. Um, that's, you know, it, you know, incredibly fleeting, incredibly limited, um, but wanting to leave his mark on the world um, to the detriment of his, you know, his friendships, his perceived niceness, um, what have you. Um, he wants to persist after death, which is a very. It's a very human desire. Um, you know, many people just have kids. That's their their way of doing that. But for many creatives, it means making an impactful work of art or mm-hmm. or or work an artistic of... legacy. Exactly, exactly. Um, and I think for you know, I, I will not armchair analyze McDonough at all. But I think especially since like you know when he wrote the Pillow Man, you know he was not as well known certainly as he is today. Um, so I think because of that, his sort of thoughts, his feelings on this sort of thing have evolved. Um, and therefore we get this much more sort of like tragic, um, sense of things. Um, I want to read to you guys a small excerpt from The Pillow Man. 
um, because uh, this is just this is just sort of like highlighting um, highlighting the similarities in theme here. Um, specifically in the bar scene where Colm is telling uh, Podrick about like you know I want to be Mozart essentially. Um, so in this in this scene um, to briefly set the stage. Um, Katurian, who's the main character, is talking to his brother Michael. They're both being held about these um, about these stories, about these murders. Um, and uh, Michael has, uh, you know, um, it's never really detailed what his... He, he essentially has the mind of a child. Um, and the reason he has that is because he was horrifically abused by their parents as a child, as a kid. Um, and... Uh, this is this is effectively uh he he discusses they're they're discussing a story that um Michael found of Katurian's that's called The Writer and the Writer's Brother. Um and in it, uh Katurian basically details the um w- like what happened to them as kids. So it's effectively the story of a young boy who's raised like to never want or need anything basically just like absolute lives in the lap of luxury but every night he hears the tormented screams of someone being horrifically tortured from like the next room over and like that that actually happened to him in real life but in his short story um the uh the discovery of the tortured child in the next room over is um happens years later like when he's an adult when he's a successful writer and an adult and he comes back and he breaks down the like closed off room and finds a child skeleton holding a short story that is better than every single one of his short stories ever written um and so uh yeah i'm just gonna read i'm just gonna read this to you quickly uh so katurian says that was a happy ending and Michael says, almost tearfully, what, that I'm dead and left to rot? That's a happy ending? Katurian, what was left in your hand when you died? A story. A story that was better than any of my stories. See, the writer and the writer's brother. You were the writer. I was the writer's brother. That made it a happy ending for you. Michael, but I was dead. Katurian, it isn't about being or not being dead. It's about what you leave behind. Michael, I don't get it. Katurian, right at this moment, I don't care if they kill me. I don't care, but they're not going to kill my stories. They're not going to kill my stories. They're all I've got. Michael, pause. You've got me. And I'm just like, watching Banshees, I'm like, oh, I see, I see you, Martin. <laughs> womp womp. I see, I see the evolution of your work. Um, because, yeah, for, for the Pillow Man, that, like, Katurian is the main character, right? I, Colm, Colm is not the main character in, in Banshees. Colm is, I mean, he's, he's definitely one of the protagonists, but I would say Podrick is the main character. Um, but so for Katurian, that is like the most important thing. And in fact, the, the play ends with a reference back to this story, the, the writer and the writer's brother, with him revising the ending um, in such that, yeah, I mean, I guess spoilers for the Pillow Man if you, if you want me to not reveal that because we should definitely like, try to find a recording of the <laughs> the Broadway version or the London version or something. Um, but yeah, so I won't, I won't spoil it actually, but uh, very much the, the like end result of that is that like the important thing is that his stories survived. His stories persisted even after he was gone. 
Um, Flesh is fallible. It's something that yes. ages and withers and rots. Yes. And there are certain intangibles that can be left behind. I, 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 it makes me think of that pivotal ending scene from V for Vendetta. Yes. When, yes. We're like when an idea can't, is demanding yeah. why, why can't you die? Is mm-hmm. it because beneath this mask is more than flesh? Beneath this mm-hmm. mask is an idea, Mr. Creedy, and ideas are bulletproof. Yes. Oh yes, no. Exactly. But but I would say I think that I think that for Banshees, I think that the conclusion of this, I think the thesis statement of this theme is actually the opposite, right? I think that like even like Colm giving up his friendship for his art. Like, I, I don't think that would, like, that was framed as a tragedy, you know? Yeah. Like, yes, absolutely. Like, I, so I, so I think it's sort of this, like, I don't know. I just, I love, I love McDonough so much because I love that he has explored so many facets of this theme that, like, throughout his entire career, basically. Because even, even Seven Psychopaths is somewhat, you know, like, like the main character's a writer and <clears throat> he definitely, has moments in that in that movie that like kind of directly reference his own like criticism he's received. I mean, even like, even the main character's name is Martin in that movie too. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like it's. I mean, it's definitely not like one for one a like self insert character, but it's yeah. kind of a self insert character. A little you know? bit, yeah. On on the note of the Pillowman, though, uh, just looking into the Wikipedia page, something I found interesting. It's uh, its premiere had David Tennant as Katurian. Yes. And yes. Jim Broadbent as Topolsky. Mm-hmm. Uh, in New York, it yep. for the Broadway, it had Billy Crudup as Katurian and Jeff Goldblum mm-hmm. as Topolsky. Yep. And in Chicago, uh, the main actor that I noticed here, just to tie it to Bullet Train, it had Michael Shannon as Michael. What? Yeah. And oh apparently... These comparisons run deep. A yeah. Second, a second smaller connection. Yeah. And apparently, <laughs> apparently it's actually going to be revived in London in 2023 with Lily oh. Allen as Katurian. <gasps> oh, really? beautiful. Awesome. I have, I have seen, uh, I have seen a, at least one gender swap of uh, Ariel, who's one of mm. the other cops. Um, and that was, that was... It was cool, but I wouldn't have done Ariel. I'm glad. I'm glad somebody is is gender swapping the main character. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah, I've always wanted to see the Jeff Goldblum performance because like he's a fantastic uh, actor. Y'all like Topolsky's lines out of Jeff Goldblum's mouth. <laughs> yeah, he he awesome. gets memed. He gets memed into high heaven because of mm-hmm. his performances being so quotable. And yeah. his his cadence and the way he speaks, but Goldblum yes. is a fantastic actor. Yes. Yeah, he's yes. he's he's a tremendous and, actor. Yeah, and I I remember too because uh, the the New York show was when it was like uh, two thousand was it uh two thousand five. Yeah, so it was it was a couple of years before um before we put it on. Um, and my director was like, oh my god, I feel like Topolsky was, like, almost written for Goldblum. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he wasn't, but, like, uh, imagine. <laughs> like, also, um, the, uh, which I'm gonna mispronounce his name, Zielczko Ivanik is also, is, he was Ariel in the New York show. And, okay. uh, he's, yeah. he's, uh, he's one of the, he's the, he's the guy in, um, Seven Psychopaths that's, like, like like I have a gun and Chris. Oh yeah, and he's like, he's also in uh in Bruges as, as yes. the Canadian. Yes, yes, yeah. 
So, so like, yeah. And oh yeah, we should also mention Colin Farrell has worked with Martin McDonough on like almost all of his movies. I think the only uh, exception being three billboards. Yeah. Uh, and like, I, you know, James, you know, you've, you've mentioned this before. Uh, and I think we at the goon cast can, can all basically say that we love it when, when an actor, director, writer duo just like get along so well and yeah. keep making good shit together. <laughs> yeah, like I, I've I've always liked Colin Farrell, and it was always kind of a shame earlier on in like the early two thousands where he was kind of mostly in junk, like mm-hmm. SWAT, uh, mm-hmm. and like other stuff where it's like you know pretty boy stuff or like he's Bullseye and Daredevil where it's he's having fun, he's hamming it up, but it's like kind of a shit movie, but mm-hmm. like. He is such a tremendously fucking talented actor, especially under McDonough. Like he is so yeah. fucking good yeah. At, yeah. at at just just everything. It's it's conveying so much emotion. Like just even watching bits and bobs of uh you know I I, I didn't watch the full thing, but I watched some clips of of like in Bruges and like some of his more dramatic breakdown moments, like when when he's talking about when he killed the little boy. It's it's just gut wrenching and like there's elements of that but like portrayed differently when like Colin Farrell is 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 uh dealing with his own sadness. Like the, the one of the most powerful scenes in the movie for me is is when the cop decks Colin Farrell and this is after yeah. uh calm Brendan oh, Gleason told him, like, I'm gonna chop off one of my fingers if you ever like bother me or speak to me or whatever. And Colm sees this and he walks over and he helps Colin Farrell up to his feet and he puts him in his carriage. And then he starts driving the carriage back towards Podrick's house. And the entire time, like, you can tell Colin Farrell wants to say something to him. But he doesn't want to because he knows, like, he knows what'll happen. And he just starts crying. And it's just a beautifully powerful, hauntingly sad scene with no dialogue because Brendan Gleeson has no interest in talking. And and Colin Farrell, if he says anything, Brendan Gleeson's going to chop off one of his fingers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a powerful it's, performance it's, by Farrell, and yeah. again, working with Madonna, with, with Martin Madonna, it's like it's, it's probably like the only duo I think I might like better, just because of the number of times they've worked together on absolute bangers, is Tarantino and Jackson. I was gonna say, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. Tarantino and Sam Jackson might be my favorite duo, but yeah, they're they're, they're really good. They're really These good. Two really draw the best out of each other. And yeah. Not to not to possibly spoil uh, a portion of a future episode of the Goon Cast. In Bruges might be in my top ten favorite movies of all time. Oh and shit! Awesome. Banshees. It's it's one of those things of like quality versus favoritism. Sure. Yes. I think In Bruges is still my favorite. Yeah. Banshees is the best film he's ever done. Yeah. Yeah. I think Banshees is I, absolutely I can I can and, I can agree with that. Like Yeah. And I will I will say that like I think every one of his movies but like he has not released a dud yet. Yeah. In my opinion. Like Lee, I know you I I or I think you mentioned not having seen bill- three billboards yet, right? Correct. Yeah. So, uh, like, you should definitely watch that because while I don't think it's as good as, as Banshees, like, it's really it's good. really fucking solid. Oh, it's got Sam Rockwell. I'm already sold. Yeah, it's yes, Sam Rockwell. Yes. Uh, uh, Frances McDormand fucking yes. kills oh it. Oh my god, she's she is so, so good. good. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I was actually joking uh, the other day after we did the Banshees, uh, Zach Bagans double feature that uh, I for this upcoming watch party since I'm trying to 
make watch parties a semi-regular occurrence, like, you know, just a group watch party of just anybody in the Discord or whatever, uh, this Friday might be in Bruges with followed by Zach Baggins. So it's yeah. like, let's keep the Martin <laughs> Madonna suffering wow. train going, yeah. baby. There I'll be go, there. Baby. I'll be there for fucking in Bruges. Yeah. But, I haven't yeah, I haven't like, seen in Bruges in a long time and I fucking I should. <laughs> there's just so many quotable moments from it. Like it, it's one of those things where it's like I, I definitely think Banshees is probably the better movie and it's it's fantastic. But in Bruges for me, it's just so fucking funny despite being really, really tragic. Like, Banshees is very funny, too, but, like, there's so many very quotable moments, like, just... Like, Ray, Ray Fiennes banging on the phone, and his wife comes, oh, and is like, God, yes. Harry, it's an inanimate fucking object! You're an inanimate fucking object! And he's like, honey, I'm sorry for calling you an inanimate fucking object! <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so good! I, I retract that bit about your cunt kids, mate. This going overboard, mate! That's going overboard, mate. Or, or it's like, oh, you lot ain't going up there. Well, what do you mean? Oh, the stairs are all windy. Well, what do you mean? You're a bunch of fucking elephants. Bunch of fucking <laughs> elephants. It's and just even the 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 stupid insanity of just Ray Fiennes and Colin Farrell at, in the standoff in the hotel hallway, but they don't want to fuck up the nice lady's hotel because, especially because she's pregnant, and they're like having the discussion about like where to go. And it's just yeah. so fucking yes. insane and silly and perfect. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he absolutely. Has, he has such a strength as a screenwriter, and it's it's apparent that you know from his formatting and his pacing, you can tell he was a stage writer. He was, yes, oh, yes, he, absolutely. It's, it's apparent. Hundred percent. The way I feel about his writing is the way I felt when my mom uh, gave me a copy of Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel, mm-hmm. and Ooh. said, "You need to read this." Um, this is the kind of writing that makes me never want to try and publish anything ever again. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's high praise. Yeah. And then I yeah. watch something like Banshees, and I once I realized, like, halfway through, Kat, I mentioned to you, like, the tightness of the screenplay. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, this makes me not want to try. Yeah. Yeah, it, <laughs> where, it, where it's, it's so yeah. good, and you appreciate it, and you love it, but it also makes you mad because it's so fucking good. Yeah, the 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 pillow man just gen- like I am I am so glad that I was fortunate enough to be introduced to him like in my formative years as a you know like like as a teenager basically because I'm like oh man if this was today I would be like fuck <laughs> yeah, there's, there's this um, there's this band there's this uh, uh four piece instrumental progressive band called Polyphia they're they're getting really big uh, mm-hmm. because of a, an album they just put out. Um, and the lead songwriter and guitar player, Tim Hansen, he's um, he's making a lot of waves in the guitar community uh, for this now like running joke of he's just so good. He makes guitar players want to quit. Mm-hmm. So like how there's reaction videos where people like, you know, put on their headphones and OK, we're going to listen to the new Polyphia track playing God. And then like, you know, three minutes of exaggerated expressions. There's a there's a trend of them of just guitar players who like listen to it for like 20 seconds and nod and then just like reach for their guitars and put them in the garbage. Because <laughs> they're just like, I'm done. T- Tim, Tim, Tim peaked. We can't beat it. Mm-hmm. That's hilarious. That's funny. So, yeah, uh, I guess. Uh, Glowing thoughts on gl- Banshees of Inishirin? Uh, I, I don't want to go too in-depth, 
because it may be a spoiler for a future upcoming Gooncast. Yeah. But uh, I, 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 I fucking love this movie, and I highly, 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 highly recommend it. Yep. Just know it. It's a, it's a feels bad movie. You're gonna feel like shit, and I'm sure you're gonna hear me if if if, if you sat all the way through here and you've heard us talk about it. You've heard spoilers, but I'm sure you're gonna be like, all right, it's a feels bad movie. How can how bad can it be? You're gonna feel like shit. I can't yeah, really grab, stress grab that a enough. Yes. And a six pack, okay? Yes. yes like yeah. you will, you will not believe yeah, how comfort food. Like yeah. <laughs> you will, some you, blue box mac and cheese. You will, <laughs> you will not believe how sad you'll feel. Like the first time I fucking watched it with you two, I went through a shit ton of whiskey in it during yeah, it because yeah. it was just making me feel like shit. And then when. When we, I know, I could tell because we were trying to talk to you afterwards, and like I kept saying things, and you would just keep talking, and I was like, I don't know what's happening here. And then you were like, I'm very drunk, and I was like, Oh, yeah, it, it was. And then, then afterwards, like with the second watch party, I was stone sober the entire time, and at the end of it, Lou was like, Yeah, about twenty minutes in, I cracked open my own booze. I couldn't handle it, and yeah. and, and Grady was just like, I have to be at a children's birthday party tomorrow. So I decided not to drink tonight, and I really regret that I didn't drink tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a depressing, haunting movie, but I yeah. fucking adore it. Yeah, it's, it, it's, and it's also not something that, like, it's not a tearjerker, right? It will not make you cry. It will just make you sit in depression. That's, so it's that's, like, yeah, exactly. There's no, re- there's no release. That's it, right? that's the point that needs to be driven home here. You yeah. won't be crying at the credits. You will be yeah. empty. Yes. You will be, you will be devoid yeah. of any light, yeah. any if, happiness, and any joy is yeah, ripped if, out of your fucking body. If you think that my summary just kind of ended, yes. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I frequently like, there's a reason for that. I frequently it feels like oh no. <laughs> I frequently use the I'm dead inside from Jay Bauman on my stream, and that is the perfect summary of 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 the experience of ending this movie. But not because, like, oh, like, something's horrible in the world, I want everything be gone, but just, like, I, I'm reminded of when our buddy, Ghoul Guts and my buddy Maverick, uh, saw the ending to Silent Hill Shattered Memories, the good dad ending, and we asked him what he thought, yeah. and, and his... The entire time we were playing the game, he was cracking jokes. But at the ending afterwards, he was just like, I, I kind of want to curl up in a ball and go to sleep forever. And that kind of mm-hmm. sums up the ending of Banshees of Inishadon. Yeah, it's it's my favorite line from the Hell Priest in uh, Hellraiser. I am so exquisitely empty. <laughs> just like, there's nothing but a big gaping hole of sadness. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's okay. Yeah, it's. I I say uh, for my closing thoughts, it's one of the best movies of the year. Um, be prepared going in. We we are not exaggerating about any of it. Make you're... sure that when yeah. you're done, you have a phone nearby so that you can call someone you care about, just to let them know that you're still there. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. Just. Give a friend a call and just let them know you're still their friend. And that you're not drifting away from them. Yeah. Or that you're yeah. going to burn their house down. Or that you're going to burn their house down. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. All right. Yeah. So let's uh, 
Let's shake that off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even just like I watched I watched the movie again like a couple hours ago and I was like sitting for like a good hour afterwards just in my thoughts being very depressed and even thinking about it again. I'm like, oh, yeah, but it's really good. Y'all go watch it. So now um, I think we are going to finish off with um, with what we have been up to since. Our last pod. <laughs> Car it's boss a tiny battles. Bit of a loaded prompt. Car it boss is. battles. It is. So, so I think first of all, before we get into the one that we all share, does anyone have any that like they can just quickly be like, I saw this and like it was fine. Uh, I can go first. I have like one thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so my thing is, I saw Glass Onion very recently. Ooh, uh, I'm I'm watching it tomorrow, so stay I, spoiler free. Spo- spoiler free, absolutely. Um, I dug it a lot. Um, I think it's not as good as Knives Out, but I think kind of what the world needs is, like, more, you know, quirky detective series. So, yeah. it basically, it made me want to go back and rewatch all of my old Poirots, because I'm just like, hell yeah, I'm down for, I'm down for, like, another detective solving mysteries with this kind of, like, you know, style going from movie to movie. I want more of these. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, cool. That was that's that's my review of Glass Onion. More. <laughs> Groovy. Um, let's see over on my end. Uh I am Oh, let's see. I'm gearing up to do something. Um I'm I'm like 90% sure I'll do it. We'll see if I actually commit. Being that we're going to be starting up uh, extra life again to raise money for the kids. Um the kids. I'm going to be uh doing a Valley Jester Get Good marathon of playing a type of game that I am a gigantic fan of and that I am awful oh, at, yeah. which are oh, Metroidvanias. Yeah. Oh my um, god. So, uh, but of course, the gimmick will be that I won't be playing any Castlevanias or any Metroids because those are two of the ones that I am actually decent at. Mm. So we can't do that because I've just got to be booty at everything. Excellent. So it's going uh, to be my Elite Four lineup of uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night blasphemous mm. ender lilies and then the final boss the champion of the indigo plateau hollow knight oh lord so lordy lord man i will be i'll be uh oh, playing the four of those almost oh, entirely blind bloodstained i started and got like an hour or so in and really really dug it mm-hmm. uh the other three i haven't touched which yeah i haven't played hollow knight yet so that's gonna be super exciting neither have i Hell yeah. Um, so I'll be I'll be diving into that. I've heard it's hard. That's the thing I've yes, heard about. That it, is so. yeah, hence the get good uh-huh, aspect. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um I've also been going on a deep dive of a YouTube series that I absolutely love, but um I've been watching it for years, but I found one of those YouTube playlists that has every episode in chronological order. So I said fuck it and I went back. Uh I'm binging every episode of osw which is uh the old school wrestling podcast uh it's three chuckle fucks from ireland (laughs) who chronologically critique wrestling pay-per-views uh by storyline and so they they'll pick out an era of wrestling history so it could be like um hulkamania and then they'll do every pay-per-view during the stardom years of Hulk Hogan as the champion of the WWF. Um, and they are just, these these motherfuckers are so funny. They they are like right in my wheelhouse of, of humor. Um, 
they've got like a psychotic fan base that like tattoos themselves with the OSW logo uh, so that you can get a guest spot on the podcast to just tell them like who your favorite jobbers are. <laughs> they have they have a, a gimmick called the boys stable where it's like, who's your stable of wrestlers? But like not the ones that you keep in the good barn. They're the ones that you keep in like the shitty stable that you don't really like let anyone see. So it's like all your favorite shit tier wrestlers. <laughs> Beautiful. So I've been going through that chronologically. That's a great one. Nice. And then I'm um, just jam into a bunch of music, which I, I don't want to get too much into because uh, I, I have whittled down my album of the Boilers. year. And oh. I, will, I will talk about it on our Golden Rocco's uh, yeah. part two, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I've left out a couple of things because those things made it onto my Golden Rocco's yes. list. So I'm exactly. like, nope, not talking about those yet. But Gla like Glass Onion was good. Not one of my favorite things of the year, though. Yarp. No. And uh, that's jam? about the size of it. So yeah, jam. Uh, I don't really have anything super major outside of, uh, you know, uh, I extended... My participation in uh, last year's Extra Life until the end mm -hmm. of the year. Uh, and collectively, uh, we raised a total of $4,610.33 for uh, Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, I believe. Uh, 2021, we raised about 3000 so like we mm -hmm. raised about 1600 more which is fucking awesome congratulations yeah. to everybody yeah. um thank I, you to everyone who participated and everyone oh, yeah. who donated like yeah y'all did cause. awesome yeah. yeah and uh i it's i've decided to basically start the, my participation in in extra life this year immediately uh and i'm just mm -hmm. gonna run it keep it open for the entire year because it's why not you know if it, if if it's a year-round thing uh, might as well just always have, have it active on my page and, and, and whatnot. And like, it, it, it can potentially be less of a strain, especially cause like, uh, you know, game day is typically like right at the start of the holiday season, which is a very expensive time of the year for some people. So mm -hmm. they may not necessarily be able to donate and they may feel better about donating earlier in the year or, or whatever. Like it's for a good cause. So I figure, fuck it. Let's just, let's just do it all year round. Um, and then Outside of that, just besides generic stream shit, uh, Kat and I went through the Dark Pictures Anthology, The Devil and Me. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was I, not good. Yeah. It, wait, 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 hold on. Wait, did you finish this piece of shit? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Oh, 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 good. I can talk about the thing now. Okay, okay. Because okay. I, I, was, I was talking to you guys about it before you started, and I said it has the one decision in any of these games that instantly made me think it was the shittiest thing ever made. <gasps> Oh, what? Okay, so, you, okay, you finished, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, no, we're Spoiled. done, we're awesome. done. Awesome, okay. Did you get to the fucking part where you had to make a decision about the dog? Yes. What was your choice? I did not throw a rock at the dog, why the fuck would I? That's awful. Are, no, are you no, no. about to stab uh, the dog? When you, when you go into the house and you find the dog and you have to stop it from making noise. Yeah, I did not stab the dog. Okay. And then you got a character killed because of it. Uh, uh, no, no, because no. Uh, at, at that point, we at had point, everybody we had killed except left. for two people left. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, so uh, when I watched a playthrough of that, and it's it's a part of the game that a bunch of people have given given out about. So you go into the house, and the dog is trapped there. Your mm -hmm. instincts are okay. Like, release the dog, because, like, Resident Evil 4 logic kicks in yeah. of, like, help dog, dog help later. 
Yes, exactly. And that literally happened in Until Dawn. Um, so if you let Dog out and then hide with Dog and Dog starts barking and gives away your position, mm-hmm. your choices become murder the dog or the killer kills one of your party. Oh. So you are immediately punished for your compassion and for oh defying what should be strict video game logic of help dog, dog, help later. Evil. It, it's the shittiest decision I've ever seen in one of those games. Oh my because God. if you do do it, the amount of time, like in real time that lapses is like less than 60 seconds. Help dog get free, yeah. hide with dog, kill dog in like 45 seconds. Yes, yes. That was, yeah, that was. And the then one the... of your team gets off. I'm like, wow, I can't wait for the goons to get to that part. Well, we didn't. Yeah. We, we, we we saved the dog. <laughs> we Yeah, we saved the dog. And because uh, because it was literally, I think it was just my character in the room. That's, so okay. and, and she, it was it was it was little Miss Plot Armor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you yeah. make it there with her and one other, that other one gets offed. <laughs> yeah. Glorious. So, okay. So I'm glad you had as much fun with it as I knew you would. Yeah. It was. Hey. I, I I almost don't want to shit on it that much because it's very clear that this is the result of an incredibly rushed dev cycle. Yes. Like it is the it is easily their buggiest game and it is also probably one of their worst and it's because it came out like 4 months after fucking quarry shipped yeah it's it, like it it felt uh, it felt very rushed and trying to take into consideration the fact that they're working on the quarry they're still working in the middle of a pandemic and they have some PSVR2 title set to come out in fucking february mm-hmm. like they seem pretty stretched thin yeah. Uh, and it seems so like I'm, there's a lot of I'm, incomplete elements to this as well. I am mad at their management team and their studio for forcing them to do this kind of bullshit. Yeah. Um, it's, but, but all that being said, yeah, it was a shitty game. Like, what, was, <laughs> what was worse, this one or Little Hope? Little Hope. Little Hope. I don't even have to think yeah. about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no hesitation. Little yeah, because here's, here's, here's also the way my brain works, Lee. Um... <laughs> No, there was a, no, I'm saying it. I'm saying it because there was one thing that elevated it. Like, e- even if it w- didn't have this oh, thing, I oh, would have, yes. I would have liked it more than little hope. Uh, I I'm torn about if I like this more or less than man of Medan Cause I don't like man of Medan nearly as much no. as I used to. Uh, yeah. but at, we have been waiting for years at this point for them to do a years. different fucking cover of O death. Like we, years. we were, our expectation was, Every, Each game is going to have a different rendition a of one. O-Death, and instead, it's and the same fucking rock. shitty butt rock version. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then we get to the credits, uh-huh. and it's a mannequin barbershop quartet cover of O-Death. Okay, I did see, yeah, that, I did yeah. see that. that was yeah, cool. and, yeah, and my, I, am, I am big, dumb, yeah. <laughs> simple man. Uh, James, yeah, James and I were literally like, shit, like, we were like, we were like, this game fucking sucked, and then that started up, and I was like, Okay, All right, hold, hold on, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. But yeah, it, it was it that that elevated it, and I will say, uh, it it didn't get captured on screen stream because uh, uh, my fucking internet decided to shit out right at the tail end of the credits, which is yes. great. But uh, 
you know, I was kind of like, man, I, God, this fucking franchise, like, they had one good game, and it's mostly been shit. I don't know if I could stick it out for season two. And I see the oh. teaser for season two, and it's set in space. And I'm like, all right, you fucks, you got me back again. I know, like, they keep... That's the thing, they keep having very interesting premises, and you're just like, ooh, I want to, I just want to see, I just want to see a little peek. Yeah, yeah, and I mean... Sorry, Lee, you were, you were, you were saying, you are trying to get a... No, I wasn't trying to say anything. Okay, okay, sorry. No, you're good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, and it's, it's at the very least, I'll probably, even with me being pissed off and burnt out on it, it's a fun stream to co- it's a fun game to go up on stream and bitch oh, about and complain about yes. and see the stupid stupid nonsense that goes down. So yeah. I think I'll There's... probably stick it out for for the it... franchise. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, they're definitely. I prefer them to um, <coughs> what's what's their what's their what's their faces the like way out team. I prefer them to those. Co-op. Oh um, yeah. I don't know like, the name the the name of the that dev team. Yeah, yeah, but you know the Ferris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I ha- I haven't even played It Takes Two. I, I heard mixed things about it. I know every- a lot of it people was... loved it. I I played it with Will. It was fun to play together, but it's kind of an everything-in-the-kitchen-sink game that sure. overstays its welcome, where it's just like, there's a lot of stuff happening. It's all done competently, like, nothing is nothing is poorly implemented or whatever, but, like, you know, it, it, it eventually gets to, like, a point where I'm like, why are we, st- like, this game felt like it was coming to the end and then suddenly decided to go on for like another like 40 minutes checks you know? out you, you need to you need to play a game that's really made to bring couples together mario party <laughs> ah yes there you go there you go risk <laughs> yes oh <laughs> monopoly An eight hour risk campaign um, yeah fantastic. there you go there you go fantastic. if you can survive that with your significant other you can survive yeah. anything Oh, but let's actually, talk about the piece of shit that we all played. Oh my god. Car battles. Car battles. Car battles. Car battles. Yandere trainer. <sighs> Alright, so we played the new Pokemon. We did. We we didn't none of us wanted to do a podcast on it. No, hell no. Because like Yeah, we just there's not enough there. But we can all safely say we played him. Yeah. Uh, Lee and I did uh, did Violet. Violet James yeah. did Scarlet. Yeah. Um, yeah I, 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 to preface this, this is like my first Pokemon game since like oh Soul Silver, like that I did to completion anyway, or at least that I remember. Apparently, I fucking played like thirty hours of Black, but I never beat it, and I don't fucking remember anything about that. Uh, um, yeah, what, what a giant piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, it is. Not, there's God no dancing damn. around it. Yeah. So I, yeah, I completed the Pokedex the way I always complete the Pokedex, which is not just having entries for every single Pokemon, but an actual living representation in the boxes. Fucking 400 strong, baby. Oh, nice. That's what Chris is doing right now. Yeah. 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 And then I shut the game off for all time. <laughs> yeah. Um. I am. I am a sucker for this game's formula. You know, when when okay. Game Freak and Nintendo get into that development cycle and they start making a new Pokemon game and they don't take risks because they know they don't need to. Yes. I'm the kind of dumbass who will still get the game. Yes, me too. Now, in this case, Saber got it for me. 
to push the suffering onto my plate. Oh. Well, I mean, Kat had it, I had it, I figured we should all talk about it. Mm. Eat shit. True. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So merry, yeah, merry Christmas to me. Yeah. Um. Thank you, Saber. Yeah. Um. So I'm a sucker for the formula. I'll get it. But that being said, that formula aside, what an uninspired, yeah, buggy, fucking yeah. train wreck. Okay. Here's so, my issue. Dropped the ball on one of the biggest what ifs in video games so far mm -hmm. what if we had an open world pokemon game yep and they yep. explored some ideas in legends arceus they flirted with the idea so, here's the thing i i've been playing pokemon games since time immemorial basically i think the only two the only ones i haven't played are black and white or black and white two i think mm -hmm. um i played arceus and Arceus had a lot of problems, right? Mm -hmm. But at its core, the things, the quality of life improvements it had, like basically my review of it to people who asked was, I can't wait for them to make a mainline game like this. Because basically yeah. if, you if you take the like, like the bones of Arceus and just actually put the work in to make a compelling story and you know, like, like the full decks and like, you know, full, full things to do. It, it would be brilliant. And then fucking Violet and Scarlet just like walked back so many things that Arceus improved on. Yep. Yeah. And like, like to me, I'm like Arceus was the risk taken already to say, yes, people want this kind of stuff. And then instead of pushing forward with that and being like, let's, let's keep making it interesting. They just. Like there was a fucking Dark Souls boss fight in the in fucking Arceus, multiple, in fact, and they were cool. <laughs> I, I I think the thing that it's it's become very 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 apparent if it wasn't already, and this is very apparent to me, despite not playing these games in fucking years, is that um, their two-year mandated dev cycle needs to fucking go. Yes. yes they need absolutely. they need either they either need additional dev assistance yeah. from additional studios that Nintendo owns, which I know Nintendo is capable of doing because Smash yep. Bros has additional dev assistance. Or an additional dev who works on the next title, a la Call of Duty, if they're going to be forced into we have yeah, to have yeah, a mainline like, game. Yes, yeah, have have the uh, um, have the Infinity Ward Treyarch kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, or dynamic. or worst fucking case scenario, strip the fucking franchise from Game Freak and give it to somebody else. That's my big one because give it like to someone other than Game Freak because good yeah. like I don't want to shit on 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 the I don't like shitting on stuff. That often, contrary to me being a big, big <laughs> shitty baby, like with Resident Evil Netflix. Co contrary to this entire podcast. <laughs> yeah, but like, it's, it's, it is, I, I, a lot of people were like ragging on the game's visuals, and it's like, yeah, it looks like a Wii U game, but like, for me, I don't care so long as the art direction is solid. This game is shitty art direction, dude. And considering how, how it doesn't even, it's not even all that graphically impressive, 
it is fucking inexcusable at how fucking badly optimized it is for the Switch. Like, I know the Switch is an old piece of tech, and even when it came out, it was an old piece of tech. But this is fucking inexcusable that in docked mode, it is running sub-20 frames a second. I'll, it, I'll the, the amount of like, pop-in that happens in this fucking game. I'll phrase Holy it like shit, this. We should have known that they lacked vision when we saw their draw distance. Oh! oh. oh bazinga. <laughs> and just, that's, that's not even getting into just shitty, shitty design decisions. Like, this is, like, possibly mm -hmm. the worst map I've ever seen. Oh, like, no, what is the no, fucking no. point oh. of me zooming it, out it of the map the to, worst map. like, I'll, I'll yeah. zoom out of the map, and I go, okay, I want to zoom in on this section, and I zoom in, and it just warps me back to where I am, and it's like, that's not what I want to do, that's not what I want to do, and the fucking, the, 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 the way the raids are set up, excluding the bugs, raids are fucking trash, dude, they're so fucking yeah. frustrating yeah. and awful, and just... The fucking stupid sandwich system with the worst fucking sandwich eating animation I've ever goddamn seen. Like, yeah. I'm not expecting much. It would have been better if it, it just said, oh, you ate a sandwich. I don't need to fucking see yeah, this 30-second yep. long, awful, 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 stupid cinematic. Man, what yeah. the fuck? I, I want to play devil's advocate and say two positives. And these okay. are the only All two right. positives I've got. Is it Dummy Mommy and Giga Chad Professor? Partially. Um, there are some very, very strong character designs. Sure. I think most... Oh, absolutely, yes. I think most of the new gym leaders are fantastic additions to the Pantheon. I think the professors are great. Um, I don't like the companions. I don't like Nimona. I don't... I really don't like Arvin. Um... Yeah, they suck. But, like, a, a lot of the instructors, great designs. I... Uh, some of Team Star are pretty good. Uh, but I think just, like, the gym leader designs. Okay, I second... specifically, I specifically went back to school, because you can do, like, lessons at yeah. school, which do absolutely nothing. But I went, because I, went, I was like, I want to befriend every teacher. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I want to get to know Dendra, because Dendra's a badass. Oh my god, Dendra was... Dendra was my favorite. <laughs> yeah, Dendra is best girl. Please. Yes, she's um, awesome. And secondly, they made a step in the right direction. Not perfectly, but a step in the right direction with the designs of new Pokemon. We got into a dark fucking age yes. of creative bankruptcy with, like, the penguin whose head is an ice cube. Uh, and <laughs> the bag in this, of in this garbage. Pack, yeah. Um, yeah, whose ass is in this. And then, and then I looked at the lineup of starters, and I'm like, okay, we got Josuke the Duck. I'll take it. <laughs> we've we've got this. We've we've got a cat that wears a mask. This, and I saw it, and I said, this thing better be called Meowscarade. <laughs> and it was yeah. called Meowscarada. And I said, yeah. let's fucking go. Mm -hmm. And then what's the third one? Derpy lizard. Yep. And okay, does the lizard get like? more serious and less derpy and that's like ah he gets a little more serious but he's still really derpy i'm like yes let's yep. go i i, I picked like, the duck as my starter and i really regretted it no i picked. Sure? i know i picked the, the, the cat i picked the cat as my yeah. starter i forgot greedy yeah. picked the duck and i saw it through greedy stream and mm -hmm. it was awful because yeah. it, that, that fucking duck stupid terrible. duck is just shaking its ass and wiggling its titties all the fucking time and it's like mm -hmm. this is yeah, awful forever what the forever. fuck is who? Why? Who hurt you, Game Freak? Why? Why would you do this to so, me? 
And the so Mona the, the, sucks. So the Mon designs, the Mon designs went yeah. back in a good direction. Character designs, like 80% of them on yes. point. Yes. Everything else is a fucking inexcusable mess. The yeah. the one thing that you didn't mention that I will say quest, that I, I kind of enjoy is, is just quest design, yeah. the... Yeah. Uh, when, let me get to it. <laughs> when you fully upgraded your stupid Pokemon motorcycle, traversal can be mildly fun. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. I'm sorry. Pokemon motorcycle. Except Violet got that. Yeah. yeah. What did you get in Scarlet? Jason? I got I got a motorcycle that doesn't work and it just runs yeah. around. Yeah. Why? <laughs> you got a lizard with a spare tire. <laughs> who? Yeah, who? Will was so mad. <laughs> who? Like, I, I, to give you also an idea on how fucking out of the loop I was, like, I, I bought this on a whim because I was like, you know what? It's the new hotness. This could be fun to stream post back to Ghoul. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks terrible, so I could have, like, some fun, like, dunking on it. And I knew that, like, oh, this game has two professors. That's cool. And then I find out that they're version-exclusive professors. And I'm like, yep. what? That's annoying. Because, like, I wanted to get Violet because... I usually just go with color preference. Like, I got blue because yeah. blue. I, I love the color blue. I got Same. silver because I prefer it to gold. And I yeah. prefer violet to scarlet. But everybody had violet. And I was like, well, I guess I'll get the one with the Dommy Mommy Cave Woman. And the narrative doesn't make any goddamn sense because it's like, okay, this Arvin has two fucking parents. One is in the future and one is in the past. <laughs> and, and they're not ever mentioned. Like, yeah. I, I, I get that, like, you're not supposed to, like, the narrative, but the, the narrative in these games is supposed to be at least semi-consistent actually, per game, right? Actually, actually, they are mentioned in a, in one of the notebooks you find in, during, like, the descent. Oh, no wonder I didn't, I, no wonder, I, I, I didn't, I ain't reading any of that shit. By the end of the game, yeah, I, Elden Ring? Uh, the, yeah, James, you have to, yeah, you have to collect this shit like Elden Ring. By the, by, <laughs> I was so mad at this game's narrative, but that by the end of the fucking game i was just like no i'm 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 not giving this any any more thought like the thing is i think that the narrative actually becomes i won't even say competent the mildest bit compelling in the post game okay that's like that's the only part that i was actually kind of like oh i'm interested to see where this goes what sure. happens here like you know fighting the fucking robot dad and stuff like that Oh, God. It was it was far too little, far too late. Yeah, like, but it was better. It was better than everything else, quest design wise. The, I, the, I I I enjoy the fact that you could do the gyms in any order, like you know, barring barring skill, uh, like you know, some right. some sort of like you know Level skill skill barriers. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was cool. That was cool that you could get, kind of just like go off in any direction. The extra quests. With the fu- like, Team Star was the a Titans. fucking waste. Team Star fucking, fucking sucks. Waste. Like, it, it was just, it was just like I feel, and and again, a lot of this is just oh, the 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 dev cycle being way too fucking short. But like the Team Star shit, for instance, I get what they were going for, right? Like, I get that like it was like oh, this is a this is an interesting take on the like the like rivals team, right? Where it's like oh, they're actually not bad people they were bullied kids that like oh, you know okay let me but the the thing is every single fucking quest starts with 
cutscene where the fucking principal fucking pretends to be a fucking douchebag kid. And, like, like you, you get a phone call from the mysterious person who hired you for this, who then, like, expresses lament about the person you're about to beat down, and then says, oh, oh never mind, go go in there and beat them up. Yeah. You go in, do do this, like, you know, overworld, just, like, chuck your Pokemon at their Pokemon until they faint. God damn, that thing sucks of them so faint. fucking hard. And then, you, and then you fight a car, and then when you beat the fucking you car. you fight a car, an actual car. Yeah, and then when you beat the fucking car, you get another cutscene that's literally just almost word for word the same as every other cutscene that happens after these fucking Team Rocket knockoff bullshit quests. Except that there's like one line different that's like, they were bullied because of X. And I'm like, I have to do this five times? Yeah, it is so... I I have to do this five times. (laughs) I, I need to give out about this. This is an issue I've got with the creative direction of the games and their narratives in general. Mm-hmm. And I understand that maybe this is a conscious decision they're trying to do because it's happened three fucking times now. But we're allowed to have villains, right? Because no. so far, Apparently the last no. three organizations we've faced have been Team Star, who are misunderstood, Team Yell, who are fanboys, and oh, Team God, Skull, great. who are orphans. <laughs> the last three teams we've had are all either just, like, misunderstood or, va- you know, just, like, outcasts. I'm sorry. Back in my day, I fought the Mafia. Yeah. You yeah. were eating Pokemon. <laughs> eating motherfuckers. I'm sorry. My boy Cyrus, mm. who whose evil plan was go to hell... And catch the devil. <laughs> and then you go fight him and beat the devil. I'm like, yo, <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. And then Lissandra, who's like, ah, my hair is silly and I'm going to make a doom laser. It's like, all right. Lissandra, <laughs> yeah, like, you, you, yeah, you sit down. Like, <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> I, I started my, my playthrough on stream and I was giving everybody like silly, stupid ass voices. Because I was, I was taking the piss out of this fucking game so hard. It's basically like a one-man corpse party shit, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I gave, like, Nimona, like, the, the like as creepy of a, like, a yandere voice as I could. Oh. And I think how, it was, like, appropriate. I think yeah, it weird. was <laughs> midway through my third session, I just stopped giving a shit and just <laughs> mashed through every yeah. fucking story section you can't walk like like there, there were instances where it's like okay i'm off stream now i'm gonna go farm and then i go yeah. to try to farm and i take five steps and a story yep. cinematic happens I'm like are you yep. fucking kidding you me my dude about orphans dying dog oh my god my ball, the, the, i do but only because of the fact that it gave me my my very stupid f- joke that i'm very happy with where i turned my ball stiff to my ball stiff <laughs> And also, I, also, I will say the, that those since those quests gave you an upgraded motorcycle, um, the traversal in Arceus was better. Okay, I, I didn't play Arceus. Period. I'll get there eventually. <laughs> that's that's one of the things that bothered me the, like a ton about it was I was just like, are you serious? That like I literally cannot like it, you know when I'm when I'm gliding, I can't unglide and then reglide. Like I can only oh yeah no that once, was that was awful and then I yeah. just fall like. Arceus didn't do that. <laughs> also, 
uh, on just 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 the note of shit that I hate. Uh, you know, I hate I hate fucking Team Star, but I can I can and I hate a fair amount of their designs and I hate their stupid car boss battles and I fucking hate Nimona and I fucking hate the VTuber gym leader and I fucking hate the influencer gym leader, but. Atticus from Team Star needs to be fucking buried in a fucking cave, and then it needs to be cemented over unironically maladying people? Eat fucking shit, get a fucking haircut, you fucking dweeb. I'm glad he got bullied. Fuck that. Fuck him. <laughs> I, I am so- Don't you like his Naruto costume? <laughs> no! It's fucking Jesus Christ. Like, what the fuck is this shit? And, and, and the, the, the principal of the school is like, oh, well, you mean, you know, like, they haven't attended school in a year. You know, if they, ex if, if they don't come back to school, they're going to get expelled. You need to, you need to shape them into, into, into whatever. Motherfucker, just expel them, all right? I get it that they're fucking bullied. Kick out the fucking bullies of your school. Yeah. Expel them. Why the fuck is a 12-year-old doing this? <laughs> In Pokemon yeah. Blue, like, you kind of accidentally stumble upon and stop the Mafia. I'm not being tasked with somebody to stop fucking Team Rocket. I'm doing it of my yeah. own accord because I want to have fucking fun Pokemon adventures. Exactly. That's the thing. It's like, even though, even though, like, the original games were, were like, I mean, they're linear, right? Yeah. For the most sure. part. Like, they're extremely linear games. It never felt like you were getting tasked to do every single thing in every single step of the game. You had a and that's what this agency. felt like. Yeah. It's like, they give you this open world, but then they keep being, like, all, all the characters keep being like, go do this thing, go do this thing. And it's like, why not just, just let me go? Yeah. Have one, have one person say, ah, do the gyms or whatever. Here's, and then just like, let me go. <laughs> here's, here's the beautiful thing. Um, for those of you out there who watched, or rather listened to, um, our episode of our 10 favorite games of all time. Pokemon mm -hmm. Gold and Silver was on my list. Now, you can look at certain things like a can of Amp Energy Drink that's from your past and holds a special, you know, something. And maybe you go back and you try it and it's just not as cool as you remember. And then they made the brilliant decision to re-release Gold and Silver and they were still fucking great. It wasn't like lightning in a bottle. They couldn't capture again. No, they knew what they were doing. They had a fantastic formula. Yeah. Just, yeah. just do that shit. Yeah. But open and, world. It's not difficult. And, I still hold and, to this day. Pokemon Gold and Silver has the best boss battle. The best final boss battle in all of gaming history. Yeah, It's, yeah. it's up there. It's really good. It, yeah. it is by far my and, favorite. And, like, I will, I will also say that, like, if they wanted to do open world stuff, I think they should have hewn a little bit closer to their traditional overworld designs, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think, because, okay, sure, open worlds, great. We love them, right? A bad open world, though stinks it's a slog it just, to get through it's it just stinks you have you have no landmarks you have nothing but like 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 generated like random landscapes and and it's just literally i would just pick a direction and go rolling fields of nothing 
Yeah, instead of finding anything, it would just be like, here's another mountain. Like, looking for anything in that in this game was just like a like a, a, a lesson in mediocrity. Where it was just like, <laughs> the world okay, is so visually bland. <laughs> it's it's so visually but and the thing is, like, even the cities they they got wrong. And that didn't oh. need to be the case because it's just like all you needed to do was make everything smaller. You know, we do not need an insane, like a, like a huge open world that's like GTA levels. If you're not going to oh. do GTA deta- level detail, right? Like, make make a small concentrated god. If your cities are just four buildings, but they're four buildings where I can go inside and unique things happen in each of those four buildings... Do you know how much fucking happier I would be than going to another one of these fucking cities where there's there's 50 buildings and I can go into one of them? I'm like, and it's the fucking gym, you know? Yeah, I'm I, miss like, the, I miss the days <sighs> where you could just roll into people's houses <laughs> yeah. and steal their shit. Yep, yep. Even if the conversations in them were dumb, mm-hmm. at least they were cool. Like, I... you, you rob, you, know, you bust into somebody's house <laughs> and there's like an old lady and it's just like, oh, is she going to give me a TM? Or is she going to, like, want to trade something for a really rare Pokemon? And she just babbles something like, my husband's legs don't work, so I'm a choke carries him everywhere. And that's yep. it. And I go, yeah, lady, live your best life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you leave. I miss... I miss going to a gym and fighting fucking other trainers and not having to roll a fucking olive around outside <laughs> or go fucking snowboard kids or whatever fucking or fucking play DDR. Oh my god. The DDR was go, the worst. Go to the fucking counter. Yeah, I, I'd like to sign up for the gym battle. Like, where are the other trainers I have to fight? They're just like, I don't know. Just can, can you roll this cigarette for our gym leader? What? And why, okay. why, 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 why does the water gym dude take a lower photo with you? <laughs> excuse me <laughs> he, he poses you heard me don't you remember the fucking photo where he's I, fucking I, uh, he's he's you're you're sitting there and you're you're it's it's like a distance photo photo to make it look like he's standing on your hand as and your mouth is open as if you're about to fucking eat him oh yeah. No, I don't remember that. The only photo I remember was the one where your fucking bike is smiling at the camera, and it's the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. I think I took a screenshot of the Vor photo. I'll send it to you later, Kat, because oh, it oh, made great. me very mad. It, it, it's great, terrible. Thanks. It's terrible. And exactly like, what I want. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah, to amend my previous statement, when I said most of the new gym leader designs were fucking fantastic, I, I don't mean him. <laughs> yeah. He He's not on that list. I, but I, I hope the, you don't mean the, the VTuber. Uh, no. I liked that. I liked that her hair buns were magnemites. That that was cool, but yeah. But no, what I'm really talking about. Let's you know, fuck everybody else. It's it's the snowboarding cute boy, and mm-hmm. it's the dead in the eyes salary man. Yes, yeah. absolute killers. Dead, dead in the eyes salary man. I'll so definitely good. give you. I like him a lot. Yeah. I, I was I was very disappointed that uh, it turns like I, I thought there was going to be some cute little thing with the elite four where they're like. Oh god, I, I I gotta I gotta bitch about that too. But they they have they have they make you take a fucking test before you can fight the fucking elite four. And one of the fucking questions is which gym leader did you struggle with the most? And 
I thought this was going to be a cute little thing of whichever gym leader you struggled with the most is going to be the one you have to fight in the Elite Four. No, fuck That's you. It's, it's, it's Salary Man again because fuck you. I know. But I, 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 am, I, I cannot stress how much I fucking hate that fucking test because they asked me one of the early <laughs> questions. Why do, you, why do you want to be a Pokemon trainer? Or why do you want to fight the Elite Four? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, one of the options is because for fun. I'll pick that. Mm-hmm. I picked the honest answer. I'm playing this for fun. Yep. And I fail, and I get kicked out of the fucking gym, Elite Four, and I have to redo the test. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And that was, like, my pure breaking point of, like, because I, I was not enjoying the game, but I was, like, trying to have some fun with it. But at that point, was like, you're going to fail me from fighting the Elite Four because I said I want to have fun? Fun is the I wrong mean, answer? I Eat think, a dick, Game Freak. I think the standards for the Elite Four dropped over the years, because, like, Look back at red and blue. The Elite sure. Four was like this scholarly genius Lorelei, this mm-hmm. superhuman steroid machine. And now we have a literal three-year-old. A literal fucking witch, mm-hmm. Agatha, and oh. Edgelord Dragon Master Lance. And now you've got a five-year-old child. Yeah. Yeah. And now you've got a little girl who like bumbled her way into the Elite Four. I am, I am, I am just I find this. God damn it, man! Fuck this game. Mm-hmm. I'm happy if you dig it. If if you if you're one of the many millions of people who bought this game and you love it, I'm happy. But Game Freak, fucking do better, dude. Yeah. If like, this is this your this favorite, is... then good for you. I'm glad. I'm glad. Like, do not fucking oh, fucking yeah. put out a buggy piece of shit again. For fuck's sake. Yeah. But it already outsold God. So... Yeah, it 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 did. Yeah. But but Nintendo did have to apologize for the game. That's true. That's true. Look, you can fix everything, Nintendo. Just release release a patch to fix the issues that you know are in it. Mm-hmm. And make like a dating sim with Cynthia. <laughs> and, and we're square, okay? I I I really do just think that if they make a more focused game like a more focused game in this style, I think would have been fine. Yeah. I think you, you you cut you cut most of the side quests. You you focus on like hey, let's say it's not eight gyms this time. It's like you do the school tournament arc thing from anime. Right? Yeah. Like your school is one of the schools and you're going up against all other schools. Oh, that's fucking good. Right? It's like why set it in a why set it in a school and then not use that setting at all? Because no, fuck you. No. The starter you pick determines your school. There's a fire yeah. school, a grass school, and a water school. Yeah, there you Yo. go. There you go. Oh, come Hire on Hire us, now. Nintendo. <laughs> one's in a forest, one's on the beach, one's on, like, a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Mount Gelmir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Your headmaster's Rykard. Come on. <laughs> Let's go. God damn you it, man. You will use fire types with family. <laughs> Fuck this yeah. game. Uh, what a piece exactly. of Exactly. But like, like something, something more, something more focused. You could still do open world. You could still experiment. But like, actually design your open world, first of all. <laughs> Put stuff in it. Put stuff Make in it. Make it visually <laughs> interesting and fun yeah. to explore. Because yeah. like, I have problems with Give Elden me. Ring, but at least it's uh-huh. visually interesting and fun to explore. Give me, give me actual landmarks or important things to like orient myself in the space to, 
like Pokemon designs, I agree. I thought they were great. I thought they were fun. There were some really cool new guys. Um, the little fairy with the hammer made out of dead birds. Oh, awesome. oh, she was so good. <laughs> I loved her. Um, but yeah, it's just it's like it. It's like you you they. I, I'm thinking because because Arceus came out like last year, right? Yeah, it came. It came out. No, it came out in January. It was back to. It was double Pokemon games. Oh god! In 2022. Well, that's, that's, that's probably why it was. It's like probably two different teams entirely, and the the Scarlet Violet team had like no idea what fucking uh, Arceus was doing. Jesus Christ! I didn't even realize. Yeah, it was. January I didn't realize that either. Oh yeah. my god! That's, that's fucking wild. But like, that's that's the thing. It's like you. Don't do that to your teams. Don't do that to your teams and to your audience. I know that I know that your franchise just shits money, but like there, there's there's so many more interesting things you could do if you just like, God, just give it to more teams. Give like extend like let Game Freak have your mainline games and like like give them an extended like an extension and then just hire like two different studios to also make Pokemon games. There you go. Mm-hmm. Right? Like who cares? Just fucking you. You guys, li- literally, this franchise shits money. You can do that. <laughs> like, yeah, like because this is like I- I'm sure the next Pokemon game is gonna fucking sell like hotcakes because it's oh, fucking absolutely. Pokemon game. But I-, I sincerely hope it sells a little bit less and people are a little fucking more wary about this shit because mm-hmm. good fucking god, like the the. The amount, like, look, making an open world game, it's fucking hard. We, yeah. Anybody anybody who thinks otherwise is yeah. a fool who doesn't know game dev. And, like, mm-hmm. yeah, there are going to be bugs. I expect some level of bugs with with an open world game. It sure. just, oh, it yeah. comes with the territory. Absolutely. But this is fucking unfinished. This is a fucking beta that got fucking shipped. This is fucking nonsense. Yep. Sixty bucks, hundred and twenty if you bought if you're if you're one of those people who bought the fucking double pack because you want both versions of the game, and but like that- Nintendo normally puts out clean products. Mm-hmm. Nor like I, I can't really think of of a major Nintendo product that has been this fucking buggy. I I can't. I, maybe there was, but mm. I I can't. And Off the just top of my head, I don't think so. This this is fucking inexcusable. Like good. Yeah. God. I mean, they've they've done some bad shit before. Sure, like, sure. Other M was a fucking disaster. Other M. Uh, I, I fucking hate Skyward Sword. But it Sword. was finished. It was Skyward finished. So- oh, Skyward Sword's a good example. But like, yeah, they were again, finished. not a buggy mess. A finished game. Yeah, this this is this was not fucking finished. This was shout out the fucking door to okay, meet some fucking cook it longer. This this was shout out the fucking door to meet some fucking stupid ass sales sales Gotta deadline get it out before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. and, and not, not to mention you know on the Christmas thing they lock their fucking seven star raids behind complete fucking end game, mm-hmm. and that you have to grind out X amount of like four and five star raids yeah. and then their first major oh. raid is fucking charizard 
And it's yeah. right before Christmas, before anybody even... Mo a lot of people are going to get the game for Christmas, presumably. Mm -hmm. Like, what the fuck? Why is your raid window... Why, why is this FOMO bullshit? Get this FOMO fear of missing out bullshit out of my fucking Pokemon game. Fuck this. Yeah. Ass! So Absolutely. yeah, that's, that's our opinion of the new Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. Welcome yeah. to our TED Talk on why on fucking why Pokemon <laughs> yeah. Scarvice sucks. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but you know, and and for the people who are like, oh, we shouldn't brag on it so much because it's a kids game. No, it's a multi-billion dollar franchise. Yeah, and, like, and, fuck you. And not not to mention, raise your fucking standards, man. Also, yeah, Mario Odyssey is a kids game, and just, it's also just because it's kids media doesn't mean it has to be shitty. Like yeah. kids deserve better. Like <laughs> kids, kids, yeah, kids no, deserve fuck better. The kids media thing. I was emotionally touched. The day that Ash won the championship. Oh yes, absolutely. Okay, our yeah. boy fucking did it. Do you want another Balan Wonderworld? Because oh, it's just a kids game. Is how we get another Balan Wonderworld. Yeah. That yeah. that 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 <laughs> mentality needs to fucking die. And I'm don't, and just 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 get get name. it get out. Just have higher standards. Because even don't, kids don't, don't deserve a buggy ass fucking game. Yuji is in jail for fucking uh, fucking uh, uh, insider trading. It's fine. Can't harm me. <laughs> he He's in fucking jail. Can't harm me anymore. He'll, he'll do it. Yeah. Balan is his stand. Project it long range. Caesar. I think Saber might be his stand, given how many copies of Balan Wonderworld he sent out to people. Yeah, and probably the reason why Balan keeps selling. But I mean, as yeah, as I tell are. as I tell people, like the only reason why I send so many copies is it's like ten bucks on Amazon. Oh my god. So. It's not like I'm spending full price on this. I yeah, think the amount of violet is uh, is six balance. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like wow. think of well, think of it think of it this way. way. Think of it this way, listeners. You can either buy a shitty buggy Pokemon game, or you could buy six copies of Balan to send somebody that you want to punish. <laughs> Which is funnier? <laughs> uh, oh, well man. struck, goons. Yeah. Shall All we? Right. Yes, I think so. Um... So the, I, I have been Cat, aka the Attack Cat. Um, I have no plans to stream soon, but I will probably get back to Nancy Drew and, uh, you know, the Curse of whatever uh, at some point. And also, at some point, when the new Sherlock Holmes game releases, I will be streaming that first thing. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Hell yeah. And this time without the bad Irish accent, this has been your boy Lee Alder, the Valley Jester. Uh, I will be back on Twitch sometime, possibly soon, twitch.tv slash Valley Jester, doing the Metroidvania Get Good uh, Elite Four run. So uh, stay tuned for that and help donate for the kids. Beautiful. Hey. Yeah, uh, Saber0307, find me on Twitch there. Fuck Pokemon, go watch Banshees. Yeah, fuck Pokemon. Charizard's overrated. <laughs> He's alright. I mean, he's better than fucking Slut Duck. Everything's better than Slut Duck. Everybody get fucked. Bye. <laughs> alright.